Well? The boy is suicidal, honey. He's a walking dead man. Keeps going on about hell and purgatory. When I phoned you yesterday, did I ask you, Ken, will you do me a favour and become Ray's psychiatrist, please? No. What I think I asked you was, could you go blow his fucking head off for me? He's suicidal. I'm suicidal. You're suicidal. Everybody's fucking suicidal. We don't all keep going on about it. Hitmen Ray and Ken are ordered to hide out in Bruges after a job gone wrong in London. Ken is beguiled. Ray hates it. But the city brings with it the duo's reckoning as they face up to their misgivings and their lunatic boss, Harry. In Bruges was the feature debut of celebrated playwright Martin McDonagh, who brought his inimitable dialogue and style to the big screen. He also brought together the acting talents of Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson for the first time. The movie-going world rejoiced and critics swooned at this immediate modern cult classic. My name is Luke, and the two manky hookers with me are Matt. And so are my fucking kids. That's going overboard, mate. And Westy. What's a 50-year-old lollipop man do knowing fucking karate? What is he, Chinese lollipop man? We're on a train out to Bruges. It's in Belgium. Do I have to? Of course you don't fucking have to. Hello everyone, Merry Christmas and welcome to the final episode of 2023 from All The Right Movies. Yes. A fucking fairy tale of a podcast on classic <laughs> and his films. It is. We're ending the year in style with this show. Podcast first, Christmas later, it's in Bruges. Nice. No dual carriage with though. No. no. <laughs> it wasn't there when I was there. <laughs> yeah, well it's spoiler, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Ball and alley though. Yeah. <laughs> Medieval ball. <bomb. laughs> yeah. yeah. And a pizza hut. Oh, and a pizza hut. It was it all right? Yeah, you know, pizza hut. Pizza hut. <laughs> Same as in England. That's globalisation, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Before we start the sightseeing, it's time to take a look around the ATRM museum known as Patreon. Yes. Mm. Which is not a shithole. It isn't a shithole at all. <laughs> Reserve judgment until you've seen the fucking thing, all right? <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a long, long afternoon. Yeah. I'm sure you've heard of us talking about Patreon before, so once more shouldn't be a problem. And if you're a new listener, you're in for a treat. Absolutely. Our biggest fans support us on Patreon, and as a reward for their efforts, they get access to our entire podcast archive. That's almost 70 episodes of our classic show, the one you're listening to now. Yep. Mm-hmm. And almost 55 podcasts that we've recorded exclusively for our patrons, including our current double feature show. Yep. And you yep. get a brand new one of those each month. Yes. yes. Yes, you do. Besides that, you also get to vote on the films that we talk about and ask us questions, which we'll answer live on the show. Yep. So if you're looking for any last minute gift ideas for yourself or your loved ones, look no further. I know it might be a proposition, feel like you're in a dream, but you are awake. So get over to patreon.com forward slash all the right movies to enjoy the sounds of all the right movies and make everyone's Christmas extra special. Beautiful. The gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. Yes, it is. Please do. You don't have to, though. Yeah, of course you don't have to. You don't have to. (laughs) Actually, our classic podcast archive is also available on Apple Podcasts, so you can hit the subscribe button there and get access immediately, and you can buy them individually on our website as well. Three attractive options. If you could help us out and support us, we would really appreciate yes, it. Yes, we you. really yes, we would, guys. guys. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks very much. Mm. Cheers. Mm. Back to in Bruges then, chaps. Yeah. Mm. I was going to say I should front this up by apologising, but we've already sworn more than enough. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, apologies in advance for any <laughs> profanities. Yeah. 
yeah. of which there will be a lot. There I'm will certain. be a lot because of this. Any film, film yes. with a C bomb in it will do it. Matt seems to take that as carte blanche. <laughs> yeah, take it as a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> Talking without his usual silver-tongued grace. <laughs> <laughs> Just try not to say anything too loud or crass, Matt, okay? No, yeah, that's right. So this was your choice. Why mm. do you want to talk about Imbruge, Matt, apart from the obvious nepotism? <laughs> we'll get on to that. <laughs> I'm honestly surprised it's taken us this long to get around to it. We mm-hmm. always talk about it. We always quote it. We yep. love mm. McDonough and everyone in this. Yeah. But genuinely, for me, when this came out of the cinema, I gave it the big swerve. And that oh, really? was yeah, entirely because of the poster. I think the poster is terrible. All right. Yeah, I agree. And it made it look like a bad guy, Richie knockoff. And yeah. I had see we're interested in that type of thing. So Is that when Farrell's like holding the ice cream cone? Holding the ice yes. cream. And it's what's the tagline? Shoot first, I see later. Yeah. Really naff. Crap. And I did see it because I think this must have been in like the dying days of when you could physically rent a film from a shop. I just thought I've heard some good things, so I'll give it a go. And I got to the end and I genuinely wanted to watch it again right from the beginning because it mm. just went nowhere where I was expecting. And I remember yeah. just sitting there going, I think that was brilliant, but I'm mm-hmm. so surprised I can't quite get my head around it. Yeah, you can't keep up with it the first time. You can't. Mm, no. it, but ever since then, it's become a firm favourite. Long-term listeners might remember a couple of years ago, we did an alternative ranking Christmas films Christmas list. One, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't want to give it away if you haven't listened to it, but this one was featured quite highly by all of us. So mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to talking about it in depth. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how many times Luke's got to break out the bleep because yes, it's going to be a sweary one. Yeah. Wow. Sorry. Sorry. Happy Christmas. <laughs> Merry, Merry fucking Christmas. <laughs> And we probably should explain for new listeners that nepotism comment, Colin Farrell's your brother or something, man? <laughs> yeah, he's my brother. No, uh, we are distant cousins, distantly related. Uh, well, I'll say, I said it before, I'll say it again. Mm-hmm. Why isn't he here? I keep on sending <laughs> him the Christmas card. He keeps on ignoring me. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got any contact with him at all? Just anything, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> No, because the kind of contact we had was dependent on my uncle, but he died a couple of years ago. Does he know who you are, Matt? <laughs> well, of course he does. I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> well, that's true yeah. enough. No, but seriously, does he? I wouldn't have thought he so. No, no, I absolutely wouldn't have thought so. He just doesn't like you anymore. He just doesn't like me anymore, that's it. <laughs> you liked me he liked yesterday. me yesterday. <laughs> 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 Fantastic. <laughs> and Westy, is in Bruges your thing? It's definitely my thing. And mm. I, I agree with Matt, but I also kind of love that poster because it makes a lot of people who won't understand this film spend money and go and see it. Yeah, uh, true. Yeah. They'll go, yeah, oh, true. Oh, yeah. I want to see that guy, Richie yeah. Knockoff, and they'll be so disappointed. I fucking love that <laughs> <Yeah>. secretly because <laughs> it isn't that at all. No. It's a very intelligent film, very theatrical film. Very dialogue heavy, very good at addressing mental health without it getting too bleak or too sad mm. or too mm. dark. It's very accessible. It's very watchable. One of my very, very favorite films. And I remember this was the film that was saw before my first child was born. It was like the last film that I saw. Right. Wow. Like, Quite well, momentous. Yeah. Right here we'll go, right, we're going to leave for the hospital. And then Bruges was on. And I was like, can I just finish this? <laughs> <laughs> 
classic Westie. <laughs> that is classic Westie. <laughs> my, my third viewing of that day as well as like, I watch this again. <laughs> and, and I just remember, I just have fond memories of it making us feel really safe and really comfortable and mm. getting a lot of understanding from it. So it's one of them films that's always been there for me. I'll always introduce people to it. I'll always stand by it. And it has an incredible tone and an incredible comedy element to it. A great, great first double act from Gleason and Farrell and an oh, amazing yeah. turn from Fines. So yeah, I'm looking forward to diving yeah. into this one. Yeah, very much. I think we're all the same. All of those things that you said, to be honest, fellas. You can get the comedy, tragedy, and great performances from the first watch of In Bruges, I think. Mm. But I think repeat viewings are essential to really get to the bottom of McDonough's work here. Yeah. In, yeah. in a style that we've now become accustomed to considering his filmography as well. Mm. It's a wonderful film. Obviously, you've got the swans and the bridges and that. <laughs> All the old buildings and that. All the old buildings and that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got really nuanced performances. Huge, huge, huge depth from Colin Farrell that we probably hadn't seen beforehand. No. no. And gut-busting humour. Probably one of the funniest films of the 21st century for me. Oh, it's yes. up there, definitely. Yeah, easy. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. In Bruges was written and directed by Martin McDonough and produced by Graham Broadbent and Peter Chernin for Focus Features. Shot on location in Bruges and released on the 8th of February 2008. It stars Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson as mismatched hitman Ray and Ken. Clemens Posey stars as Chloe and Ray Fiennes as the deranged criminal kingpin Harry Waters. Yep. Mm-hmm. We're delving deep into the alcoves of In Bruges and we're starting with Ray and Ken arriving by train. to the film highlights Bruges' architecture and Ray's voiceover half confirms the motivation for our two leads to be in this picturesque part of the world. Matt, hmm. is Bruges a shithole? Depends if it's your kind of fucking thing or not, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I love the opening though, because yeah. it's even better if you don't know where this film is going, because it's full of intrigue. You know, who has this guy killed? And why does it mean that he's been sent to Bruges of all mm-hmm. places? Why there? And the fact that Ray doesn't know where Bruges is tells you a lot about him straight away. Mm-hmm. But also when he says that straight in with a great joke, it's in Belgium. Yeah. Just yeah. really funny. Wonderful. Really funny. Deadpan. In this opening, it has all this melancholic music. It has the carvings on the buildings. It has all the, you know, the dark little alcoves. So it's all quite threatening. And then when you see Ray and Ken for the first time, it's handheld. Mm-hmm. It all feels and looks very bleak. And this was the first clue for me that, oh, this isn't going to be what I thought it was. And Ray really surprises you in that opening sequence because he looks so sulky and he's extremely unimpressed that he has to share a room with Ken because it's Christmas, so it's fully booked. So yeah, yeah. you think this guy is going to be a complete pain in the arse, just causing trouble and complaining, you know, when he's going, for two weeks in fucking Rouge, room like this, with you, no way. Yeah. <laughs> with you? <laughs> so yeah, you think he's this guy, but then when Ken alludes to him, well, you're the reason why we're here, he's straight in that bathroom, and you can see he practically starts sobbing right away. Yeah. yeah. So something has happened, something bad, something we are not privy to. It's just a really extremely intriguing opening, and it kind of wrong foots you right from the start. I love Ken's little look towards Ray when they're on the way to the hotel. Mm. He's so happy with himself when he sees the canal and he kind of nods and winks yeah, at, yeah. at Ray. <laughs> like, told you, it's fantastic, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> Ray's like, no, <laughs> shit. <laughs> it's the first line of dialogue in this film. Like, when I killed him, I went to a yeah. Burger King and washed remnants off my hands through the gun in the Thames. Yeah. It's like, 
who did you kill? Where's this yeah. going? And you kind of miss yeah, that. A lot of intrigue. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go for the bit when it's just Ken wanting to just see more of the place. Oh, wanting yeah. to go in the tower. He's just so happy, isn't he? He's just such a lovable oh, he's character. The best he's just like the best hitman I've seen on film. Just the most lovable <laughs> guy. And it's when he's counting them coins out and he's just yeah. four, 490. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. Henry's five year old. And yeah. this guy's a fucking dick. But I yeah. say this, and I've said this ever since, if I encounter anybody in Rihanna, I know it's hard work working in retail. I'm not taking that away from you. I've done it, and I know it's hard work. Yeah. But yeah, turning yeah, around man. and going, happy in your work, is one of my yeah. favorite things to say <laughs> <laughs> to anyone who's having a bad time. But this guy responds in the most obnoxious way, very happy. He obviously yeah. Yeah. loves that job. This is just great foreshadowing, which I'll get into later on with the coins, and they're not getting accepted, but obviously mm. we know where oh, yeah, that's going. Great. And that's what's a wonderful thing in a mirror image. But another great thing that you don't really pick up on is when he gets to that tower and he looks down at the view and he sees Dre walking around and he points the finger at him as if he's going to mm-hmm. shoot him, which kind of yeah. foreshadows everything else. This film has a lot of, it asks a lot of questions, but gives a lot of answers. But you've really got to look for them because they're all so subtle and so nuanced. A lot of them yeah. are visual. It's just genius mm. writing, absolute genius incredible stuff i love the moment outside of that tower oh, no, firstly talking. just before ken goes up there ray doesn't want to go up yeah he says yeah. he was raised in dublin he loves dublin if he was raised on a farm and some other things mm-hmm. rouge might impress him yeah but he didn't so it does very doesn't. diplomatic yeah. i like that very well done <laughs> <laughs> that line although hilarious it just outlines this character's just small mindedness and stubbornness yeah he'd rather sit on a bench by himself in the freezing cold than yeah. go up the tower with ken yeah. And that small mindedness feeds right into the interaction he has with the American family. Yeah. It's a thread in the film. It links the Canadians at the restaurant and Jimmy. He doesn't just hate Bruges, he hates anywhere that isn't Dublin. Yeah. He hates anything that he doesn't know about. Yeah. Yeah. And there are two hilarious moments here, of course, utterly offensive when he calls them a bunch of fucking elephants. <laughs> I mean, outrageous. <laughs> It's just, just from nowhere. But he's so small-minded yeah. to any stereotype yeah. as well, and you should hate yeah. these people. Yeah, but there's something very Monty Python or even Benny Hill of him being chased around <laughs> yeah. by the big fella. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, it's a total slapstick moment. Yeah. You know, you're just the rudest man. <laughs> yeah, well, when Ken comes back down yeah. and is harangued by that woman, he asks Ray what happens, yeah. and he gives him this like innocent little shrug of the shoulders. Yeah, like, oh, yeah it's great. That. Yeah. Yeah. Americans, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Americans, isn't it? <laughs> but Ken knows he's been up to no good. Yeah, yeah. So a hilarious opening to the film. We don't quite know the source of Ray's pain, but we can certainly feel it. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. Back to the hotel, Ray and Ken are settled for a quiet night in, awaiting a phone call, but Ray has other ideas. And this moment when they're in their room, Ray's looking out the window, and it's the most beautiful view you've ever seen in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got a window seat. He yeah. could stay there all night, yeah. but he's bored out of his brain. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he manages to wrangle Ken out, and he does it because he spots a kind of a small weakness in Ken's defences. First he says, let's go out, Ken's eyes widen. Go out where? To the pub? No. Yeah. But because of this flicker of encouragement was there, Ray changes his approach. He takes his time about it as mm. well, and you can see the cogs going as he's assessing yeah. his delivery and suggests going out to see all the old buildings and that. Yeah. Great. Look lovely. Great like the seeing that side of Ray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> he's not completely stupid, but presumably he wants to go to the pub and get drunk all the time in the film to numb the guilt that he's carrying around his neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, although hilarious... All of it is tinged with this sadness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But his reaction when Ken says yes. Yes! yes! <laughs> Come on! <laughs> <laughs> I 
the old buildings and shit. The <laughs> <laughs> bit I really love about this section of the film is when they're actually out and about and Ray gets so excited and they're filming something. The filming midgets. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, yeah. it's so funny, but at the same time, quite offensive. Very offensive. And then at the same time, quite surreal. And Farrell, you can tell, has just got this kind of innocence. It's not an ignorance. Mm -hmm. It's a real innocence. And when he goes yeah. up to Chloe, that's my favorite bit of anything, trying to talk to somebody or trying to chat somebody up. And I'm like, if that's all you have to do, I might give this a bash at some point because I've always just <laughs> talked talk about time bandits. Yeah, yeah. yeah midgets, uh, a lot of midgets yeah. kill themselves. A disproportionate <laughs> amount. A amount, actually. That's yeah. a, but they're disproportionate. It's kind of yeah. all really He's clever dialogue. Two, yeah. two examples, disproportionate. Yeah. And he only knows the name of one of them. I know. Yeah. The, uh, the R2D fellow, no, he's still alive. No, he's still he's there. Still with Time us. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he just He's on the set. He's got in there somehow. You can tell he's obviously got the way of just moving around. Yeah. So he's broken through security. He's on there and fills our coffee up. He's like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> just like spilling it around. And then she turns in and, and has this incredible dad. It's like a pastiche of don't look now. And you're like, wow, okay, yeah. right, I understand that. Yeah, and he like hasn't this. got a fucking clue what she's talking <laughs> about. Yeah. Not a fucking clue. He's not seen it, has he? And it's really, really good <laughs> and really funny. So I'll tell you what I'll do tomorrow with dinner. And she loves that because she can just see through this guy and just yeah. see how innocent he is, not how ignorant he is. And I think it's a really yeah. lovely moment from Farrell. And it's so brave for him to play this role at this point in his career when he's really trying to prove something. I mean, this is after, like, Minority Report, right? And everything's kind of gone mm -hmm. a little bit downhill for him, and he needs to get... Mm -hmm. And he's just being himself. He's like, look, this is what I'm like. And he shows yeah. that innocence, and he shows that, like, it's got a real integrity to the role, and this it is has. what shows it for me, because it's just so nuanced. But it's so cool when she throws that card, and he yeah. says it. Nice it's, move. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really good. She's cool as Ice Pops in this film as well. And he just yeah. picks mm -hmm. up, and he's like, so fucking cool. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, that is pretty cool. I would be terrified to ring that number. If she did yeah. that to me, I'd be like, that's it. Done. That's all I can do. Just give us a number. And I'm just going to tell everyone about that moment. I'm never ringing them because I'm going to fuck this up. I think it's a great character reveal of getting to know more of Ray and realizing that he isn't this big shot. He isn't clever. He's just innocent mm -hmm. and ignorant. Yeah, very innocent. Not, very yeah. childlike. Yeah, very much so. Very, very much yeah. so. Yeah, and that's uh, Clemens Posey playing Chloe in this scene. And she said, reading the script was like Edwin Martin's universe with things you've never heard or seen. And I just wanted to be a tiny part of it. I thought, I want to say those lines. Yeah, yeah and she is wonderful in the She's, film. Really She's got a, yeah. a classically kind of European quality to her. Yeah. So I'm going to follow this up with Ken obviously going back to the hotel by himself because Ray's out oh. chasing Chloe. And there's that <laughs> lovely bit of comedy when Marie, who's the, the one of the hotel nuts, yeah. yeah. uh, Mr. Blakely, yes. No, Mr. Cranham, no. no yes, Mr. Blakely, Mr. Blakely yes. yes. <laughs> Doesn't know who he is. Doesn't yeah. know who he's pretending yeah. to be here. Yeah. So farcical. <laughs> Doing a terrible job of keeping a low profile. <laughs> and then, of course, it's the message that he's got from Harry, who is absolutely oh. furious, and it's one of the best bits of swearing you'll ever hear. <laughs> I'm only going to say the last bit, but you better fucking be in tomorrow night when I fucking call again. I'll be fucking hell to pay. I'm fucking telling you. <laughs> Harry. Harry. <laughs> Harry. He's just Harry. Lot, doesn't he? <laughs> He's Because thing is, like, once you've seen this film and, and you meet Harry, like, now whenever I watched it, I just get this image in my head of this scene of Marie having to take down this message, this torrent of profanity. Yeah, you better say fucking it, be in tomorrow. Oh, okay, yeah. yes, right. And actually writing it out, like, not, uh, not censoring it. Just it out. Exactly. Just writing it down. Yeah. But her Thank handwriting you. is so beautiful next to that type note. Yeah. Yeah. Usually it's just so good. You can see her her personality and her character. She's such a caring yeah. person. It's, yeah. it's so well done. 
Well, it's great, isn't that underneath what she's written, uh, I'm not the receptionist, yeah. I actually own the hotel with my husband. Yeah. I think it just tells you so much about her. She's not intimidated by anyone. She's just, no, actually, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant. And there's something else interesting here, which it's such a small detail, but I don't think McDonough is the kind of writer who lets anything in his films without really thinking it through. Oh, absolutely. No. And no. it's the fact he sent Ken and Ray all the way to Bruges to wait for him to contact them, but he hasn't given them a mobile phone. And mm. I think there's two ways of looking at this. I think one, it's his way of controlling them because if they have a mobile, they can go anywhere yeah. because they don't they have to stay in the hotel and that's him just exercising a bit of control. Right. But yeah, for nice. me, the second bit, it, it just fits into this whole setting of Bruges where I think throughout the film, it has this slight sense of being disconnected from the rest of the world. Like mm. I think it's very deliberate that it gets called a fairy tale place because the fact they don't have mobile phones, it's almost like they've gone back in time. Very like much. to some kind of old fairy tale. It's mm-hmm. all, the whole film for me is just ever so slightly like detached from reality. You know, the film that Jimmy is making, it's full of these weird, surreal dream sequences. Yeah. And so this thing of like, they don't even have a mobile phone and they haven't used like old dial-ups and rotaries. Yeah. That's just another one of those little touches that take the film away from normality a bit. And I really yeah. like that. Yeah, it's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. But then I just love that lovely scene of Ray coming back who's so happy with himself because he's meant Chloe, and he's not even pissed. Because <laughs> yeah. we've, we've all been there, we've all had the night where we get back in, like, I've drunk a lot, and I'm not even pissed. I'm not even pissed. Six pints of beer and seven bottles. Yeah, and the next morning you wake up and go, actually, yeah, I definitely was. I was just in, a, yeah. in the zone. <laughs> yeah. He's just in the zone, isn't he? He, he is. Point. Zone, yeah. So Ray has found a distraction from his misery in Chloe, but there's going to be hell to pay when Harry gets home. Oh, yeah. The director... The man at the helm is first-time director Martin McDonagh, a celebrated playwright since the mid-90s, but it was always his goal to get into features. A first-time appearance from McDonagh on the show, it'll likely not be his last. Wouldn't have thought so. Westy, what do you think of his work on In Bruges? I think his work on In Bruges is impeccably well done. I think it shows such a confidence. You can tell the way he blocks here, the way he moves the camera. Reminds me a lot of Sam Mendes, who came from the same background. Yeah. It's got a very Sam yeah, Mendes nice kind of vibe to it where you can mm-hmm. see there's this space where they know where people are going to move in the frame. And I think them two directors especially show that really well. But I love how much control he's got in that space. He yeah. knows exactly what he wants you to look at. But what he does from the theatre background is gives space to the actors to move in, gives them room to perform. And he likes, mm. he loves a performance. For me, he's it very is, much yeah. an actor's director. Any actor wants to work with him. I can't see cinematographers lining up to do the next McDonough film like they would want to do the next Nolan film. Mm. But I see sure. actors lining around the block going, of I'll course. do anything he writes down. I yeah. want to say those lines. Exactly. Yeah. I want I want Just to, like Clemens Posey. Exactly. Yeah. I, I want to embody that character that he's envisioned. Mm-hmm. For anyone to turn around and go, this is a debut film. It's up there with Boogie Nights for me as like a debut. It's up there with Reservoir Dogs. It's one of the wow. best debut films that I can confidently watch. I can't find anything wrong with it. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what he wants yeah. to say. And that's what I love about a filmmaker. And yeah. really, really stands up. It's fantastic stuff. Yeah. I mean, I want to pick up on what Wesley's saying there about him being a debut filmmaker, but because straight away, you know what kind of a filmmaker he is. He's already got a very distinct vision and personality. The nearest comparison I could make, Wesley's went with Mendes out here, the Corn Brothers for me, because yeah. it's that broad humour with uneasy laughs and dark humour and bloody violence all mixed yeah. in at the mm-hmm. same time. And the same composer, obviously that helps. Same composer <laughs> as well, same composer, yeah, yeah. massive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But 
the way he twists the plot and the characters is very Cornesque, but at the same time, I think he makes his character slightly more relatable. He gives them slightly bigger emotional arcs, which is easier yeah. to buy into. Yeah, yeah. And that's very McDonough. He does that in Three Billboards. It's what he does in Band Season of Inner Show, and he takes characters where you go, I'm not sure if I like them or I'm not sure how much I like them, but I'm really interested in where they're going in this film and where mm-hmm. this journey is going to take me. Because one thing about McDonough is he never takes you anywhere predictable. Like, you can't guess in the opening 15 minutes what's going to happen to Ray and Ken when Harry turns no. up. There's no way you'd guess what he's going to end up doing at the end of the no. film. No. Mm-hmm. And I think I mentioned this when we did our YouTube analysis on Banshees, but it's really notable oh, yeah. to me that out of three of his four films, he's got the location in the title. It's something that's clearly yes. very important to him. In a Sharon, that's a character in its own right. Ebbing mm-hmm. in Missouri, it's that kind of small town, forgotten place in America yeah, where yeah. those kind of events could happen. And Bruges isn't just picked at random because no, it no. does have that beauty. It does have that fairy tale aspect, which really appeals to Ken and Harry, which bars the arse off rape. But the beauty mm-hmm. of that place contrasts to the violence that unfolds within it and the darkness mm-hmm. of this story. Yeah. And again, that's just pure McDonough's. So you get to the end of the film, you go, somehow he's told me exactly who he is as a filmmaker. And I think that's pretty remarkable for a pretty small scale debut. Mm-hmm. McDonough, like the set in Bruges, he paints this rich tapestry of the absurd, the vile, the hilarious, the beautiful, it's all in there. There's more un-PC comedy in here than in any film I can think of, really. Mm. Some great side gags, some very funny wordplay, but he sits that right next to melodrama and despair and the arts. Mm-hmm. It's so layered. Yeah. And the most striking thing for me is the juxtaposition of, of comedy and tragedy. Two classic themes, ones that I'm sure from his time in the theatre he's very, very aware of, very fond of, yeah. and knows how to play them against each other. Yeah. But I never experienced such laugh-out-loud moments right next to the crushing pain that Rain is going through. Mm -hmm. And I can really feel that in the film. And it's not something that's just one scene is pain and the next scene is humour. It's all contained within one scene at a time. Yeah, Like when Ken's talking about killing people, Mm. leading to Rain talking about killing the little boy. I mean, the worst of the worst kind of guilt to reckon with. But then sandwiched between that, is Ray losing his shit about lollipop men on karate? Yeah. <laughs> Your quote at the start, what was he, a Chinese lollipop man? What someone a comes out with a bottle. Boy, and yeah. But then you think this is throwaway dialogue. Then later yeah. on, someone comes out with a bottle and he goes, a bottle? A bottle. And, you, yeah. and then you piss yourself. You're like, yeah. oh, that's yeah. why that yeah. was there. It's yeah. such a mm-hmm. setup and payoff, the whole thing. It's great. Yeah. And that's just one example. The film's stuffed full of them, which we'll get to as we progress through the film. Yeah. Yeah. I just can't speak highly enough of McDonough's work here. Mm. Like Bruges, it constantly reveals newer, darker things with each each rewatch. It's it's incredible. Yeah, it's fantastic stuff. I mean, the way that he shoots the town as well is very claustrophobic. It's all very Mm, much close-ups. There's no drone (laughs) shots going over the top. There's no No, big sweeping landscapes. It's just there's a close-up on that. There's a close-up on that. Yeah, It's the biggest one's the one from the top of the tower at the beginning, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. That's it. But it zooms in. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's for a reason. That's for Ken to do the the point the and shoot, yeah. thing, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's just then, then that plays off later on. So yeah. everything's it's, got a reason. Yeah. You're yeah. seeing it yeah, for it a has. reason. It's, yeah, it's brilliant, mind blowing. McDonough did draw inspiration from two Nicholas Rogue films. So the crime elements he took from Performance, which is the Mick Jagger film, and oh, obviously, yes. I mean, it's mentioned within the film, but don't look now, obviously, yeah. Uh, yeah, because that one Venice is a character in that film and plays an important part in the narrative, like Bruce does here. Yeah, Chloe references Dawn Look now yeah. when she says yeah. she, the film she's suiting is a, a tip of the hat to it, not a, an homage is too strong. Homage is yeah. too strong. So, Yo, you're yeah, in, yeah. this is great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
McDonough said, from the moment I saw the town, I thought this place is just so cinematic. As the mm. film progresses, Bruges becomes darker and its gothic qualities come to the fore, which they definitely do. The, does, yeah. the film does get darker. But yeah. the thing that strikes me is like, you know, when Ken's walking over the bridge to get the gun, mm-hmm. it's just a, yes. it's like a close-up of the, you don't see anything else. It's just the bridge in focus and Ken walking over it. Yeah. That could mm-hmm. be a beautiful wide shot and show all yeah. of Bruges. It's not about that. Yeah. It's about him and his no, journey. Not. The film set obviously during Christmas, but was shot in February, March. Officials from Bruges gave McDonough license to hang Christmas decorations all over the city, and an official communication was sent out to locals explaining the out-of-season merriment. Mm. In 2012, the mayor of Bruges put a stop to filming in the city after being flooded with requests from movie productions. This, and he was quite unhappy with how Bruges is portrayed in the film. Which I kind of get, I guess, but look at the bigger Understandable, because all Ray says is how much of a shit all it is. You still want to go? Like, I still want to go. Of course you do. I think it's improved tourism. like everyone else i didn't even know it existed before this film (laughs) (laughs) and that's why it's such a wonderful thing it's in belgium all right it's in belgium but before they got burned the city of bruges gave mcdonough the keys to the city and there were only been a a few films set in bruges beforehand as chloe points out Mm. there's never been a classic film set in bruges so apparently they got the all clear to film in just about every stunning location that mcdonough wanted aside from one church and that says a lot about how helpful the people were for him which Mm. i think is great you can yeah. tell as well. Yeah. It's got kind of the run yeah, of the place. You don't usually yeah. get carte blanche to shoot anywhere you want in a city. No, nah, not at all. Well, the producer, Graham Broadman, he said, it's almost unheard of for a movie shoot to be able to film in real galleries with so many valuable pictures. We had to take out hundreds of millions of dollars worth of insurance policies to wow. cover the possibility of any damage. Yeah, it's unreal. Yeah. Yeah. And massive close-ups of them. Massive close-ups as well. As well like, yeah. yeah. At the time of release, McDonough said, I actually can't wait to go back to Bruges, but I think I'd better go back before the film comes out there because they're probably going to kill me. (laughs) Get the keys back. (laughs) And we're going to end on McDonough with a question from one of our Patreon supporters. I mentioned at the start that you can submit your questions for the show if you're a patron. Mm -hmm. The first one comes from Jacob Purry. Hello, Jacob. Hello, Jacob. Hello, Jacob. Jacob says, plot location seems to play a very important part in McDonough's films. Considering the Quantino-style filmmaking McDonough brings to the table, very nice. he says, not taking anything away from McDonough as his style is uniquely his own. Mm-hmm. What unique locations would the ATRM crew like to see McDonough next film take place in? That's an mm-hmm. interesting question. It is. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Matt, do you want to take that? Mm. I mean, I would trust McDonough to pick anywhere and make it interesting, quite honestly. Yeah. But yeah. Mm-hmm. I think his films, the kind of commonality is all the places tend to be very remote. And I think he just gets the idea that you put characters somewhere remote, it's going to be more mm-hmm. dramatic because they can't escape. There's no yeah. easy route. So I would say like anywhere just really extreme, like Antarctica, put Fowl and Gleason on the top of Everest together. 90 yeah. minutes, McDonough filming that, that would be amazing. Constantly just coming back to the thing you like with fucking I know, everything. I know, Connell, <laughs> I know. I would love McDonough to do the thing. I would love McDonough to do the thing. It'd be incredible. <laughs> Put them in like the Mariana Trench and you could set it in a submarine at the bottom of the ocean. And yeah, I think yeah. McDonough would find something interesting about that. Yeah. 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 So yeah. somewhere like that. Yeah, I had exactly the same thing. Right. I had Antarctica yeah. <laughs> with the thing in mind wow, because really? we've been on home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Christ. I did. Yeah, because we've been on home soil with banshees. Well, using artistic license, saying home soil, but yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Europe for in Bruges, America for three billboards. So yeah, Antarctica or or that or Newcastle. One of the two. <laughs> when was the last time you saw our hometown on the big screen? Well, that's funny you should say. For my answer to it, it needs to be a place that has isn't actually a character. The more of a character the place is, I think the more it suffers. 
seven right. psychopaths being based in LA really makes that mm. suffer because you expect something right. from the place. Yeah, and he's starting yeah. to invent places now, like in a year, and he invented yeah, yeah, to true. make it a character in itself. Yeah. So really, you need you need a place that's quite a dull character that has a lot of tradition and that has a lot of quirks. And I would mm. say that would be South Shields <laughs> for me. <laughs> for him to do a film in South Shields, just to pull all of the quirks out of it and the tradition out of it, it's a fucking shithole. And I can say that because I'm from there, right? So if you're from Shields, I'm really sorry. But no, Shields, South Shields, Timeout, Newcastle, whatever. Well, I haven't done anything since Get Carter, so get McDonough in here. Either that yeah. or the moon. <laughs> brilliant so there's a thread going between all of our answers yeah, yeah. thank you very much for your question Jake yeah well, thanks Jake that answers it yeah satisfactorily <laughs> a blinder of a directorial debut from McDonough one of the best in recent memory definitely yeah, absolutely the cast we're talking about the two leads in this section, starting with your boy, Matt, mm-hmm. Colin Farrell. Yes. Take her away. Yes, indeed. Cousin Colin. Yeah. Um, yeah. The thing with Farrell in this film, I feel this is where he's announced himself properly as an actor. Because I think 100%. before this, I don't think Hollywood knew what to do with him. He had this reputation. Mm-hmm. He was a hellraiser. He was a womanizer. And I think Hollywood tried to pigeonhole him and put him in like, rubbish action films or the thought yeah. maybe he's going to be the next Russell Cross. we'll put him in Alexander but that was an awful film and none of it mm. really worked until you get this and you realize no he's what he is he's a great actor and he's great at portraying complexity and ambiguity yeah. because as a character Ray is an absolute mass of contradictions like yes. when you first meet him he's sulky he's sullen like kicking the chair around in that church because he's so bored <laughs> just shuffling across That's the floor amazing yeah. five-year-old has lost his sweets yeah, yeah oh my god he's an absolute nightmare but it's like what you've been saying also he's just a big kid like he's so excited yeah. to see jimmy on the film set the filming midgets and yeah. he's straight yeah. over there literally runs to it yeah. so he's this like big ball of chaotic energy like can barely control but then you dig a little deeper and you see what's really going on underneath the surface and you get those moments where you see the truth of the character and what he's going through like there's that great moment where he's on the date with chloe and it's foul on like full beam charisma he's got the jokes he's got the charm makes a joke of his issues by saying he only kills priests and kids and then mm-hmm. chloe jokes back yeah you look like you kill kids and oh. he just makes that noise like uh, like tries yeah. to laugh it off, but you can yeah. see. Oh wow! He has to be a contradiction for this film to work because he says unforgivable things, and he did kill the kids. So you should hate him, but yeah. Farrell's so good at portraying that genuine anguish. Like you're caught between hating him and wanting to forgive him, and more importantly, wanting him to forgive himself. Like yeah, yeah, absolutely. The bit, oh. the bit where Ken stops him killing himself in the park, and he just breaks down and those sobs. Yeah, heartbreak mm-hmm. and stuff. It is, and I love that touch where in a suicide note he says. I've gone to the park because I didn't want her to see the mess, Mean and Marie. Yeah. Because obviously she's heavily pregnant. So there's that thing of because he's killed a little boy, he's doing everything he can for Marie and that unborn child as penance. So I think if this had been anybody else, I honestly don't know if they could have made all those contradictory elements make sense. It's like one whole character, but Fowl does, you know. So yeah, he's excellent. Great actor, great performance, great family. Hey, <laughs> I do think though. One of our own. I do think that this is more of a comment from Farrell about his career than it is about who he is, like playing this role. I think it's a very personal thing for him. Mm. A lot of it's around drinking and drugs, and yeah. he acts it perfectly as if it's yeah. kind of just getting through the demons that he used to be, and going from like phone booth, Tigerland, yeah, Minority Report, Alexander. It's yeah. like he almost mm-hmm. turns up to Ken and goes, "You know, I've done six, no, seven films, and I wasn't even pissed." 
but he was. <laughs> you know, you tell he wasn't yeah, having yeah. a good time he throughout was, all that, yeah. and you get that yeah. from the character. There's this real sense that he's he lets go of a lot of the weight that was on his mm-hmm. shoulders. He can, he can just be himself, and he can yeah. act like he wants to act, and that's why I love this performance. It's really yeah. genuine. It is. Yeah. yeah. When we truly get to the source of Ray's pain, it's almost unbearable. And I think the worst of it is that note that the little boy is oh, holding at the oh, time he's shot. Devastating. Me. Presumably he's repenting his sins, which yeah. are being moody, being bad at maths, and being sad. Yeah. That's so deeply affecting on a level, yeah. I just can't quite explain That'll it. That'll be my note. I write that every day. <laughs> <laughs> Cut the tension there, Weston. Wonderful. That's my that's my three things I regret. But yeah, I mean, Farrell, a revelation is rare. Considering what he'd done in his career beforehand, this was never even hinted at. No. So Farrell said, pound for pound, it was the best thing I've ever read. Martin's got some mm. brain on him. It's mm. just brilliant. The characters and the situations are unique and with amazing dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. Before they started rolling the cameras, McDonough, Gleason and Farrell spent three weeks in a Bruges hotel room together going through the script with a fine tooth comb yeah because mcdonough said we analyzed the script talking and reading it through and acting out little scenes talking about the histories of the characters so how they met whether related and it was a pretty intense amount of work which meant by the first day of shooting there weren't any questions we needed to ask of each other we just went and filmed everything we'd learned yeah there's such a you can tell there's such a trust between everybody totally gleason said that time was a great gift at times, it felt I should have bought a ticket at the door, given the quality of Colin's work. They've got such a, an appreciation for each Admiration other. Admiration for each yeah. other. There's such yeah. a love there. It is quite deep. There is. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Farrell was initially unsure about being cast as Ray because the script, he said, was too good for him and that audiences would expect something different from a Colin Farrell film. Exactly. Yeah. He's reinvented it. That's what he did. Yeah. So a true career-defining role for Colin Farrell, giving him the praise he very much deserved. Absolutely. Yeah. And Westy, it's over to you to talk about a man very much treasured by us at All the Right Movies. Yes. Mm. I'm going to go for Brendan Gleeson, who for me is always great. Yes. In whatever he's in. Mm -hmm. So strong as a character actor. He's got so much range and so much depth that you never, ever doubt the performance. He makes Troy watchable. Yeah. That's how good he is. (laughs) He's just one of them actors where he just, he knows and he wants to understand everyone that he's working with. Mm. And he wants to give them everything that can do. I have not got anything but absolute praise for Brendan Gleeson because everything I've seen him in, I just think he's wonderful. Yeah, like Banshees, Gleeson, I think, is overshadowed by Farrell on the surface of it. Yeah. Farrell's got the funniest lines, the most obvious tragedy, is Ray's storyline. He's got the most eye-catching character. But a closer look really uncovers something truly magical in Gleeson's performance. Yeah. It's there under the surface and it's left unsaid for the most part, but he ekes it out with his physical performance. It's just he's got so many lovely little nuances, just mm. his little looks. Yeah, he is amazing. Bruges may be purgatory for Ray, but it also is for Ken. He's gone to Bruges to die. We just don't know it until the final rail. Yeah. yeah. And Ken's got this hugely tragic past where he's lost his wife and he'll forever be indebted to Harry because of the choices he made as a result. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's written all over his face. What does he have to live for, aside yeah. from mentoring Ray and giving him the opportunity to get yeah. away? Yeah. He's still wearing his wedding ring as well, isn't he? Yeah, he is, he is. Yeah, 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 very much. Yeah, he, that, that hangs heavy on him. Yeah. And it hangs heavy as well when he gets the gun. He goes, are you going to do it? Of course mm. I'm going to do it. It's what I do. do it. it's but what I'm going to kill yeah. somebody, but it's not going to be Ray. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And on the funny side of things, his exasperation and infuriation at Ray. <laughs> when, when he makes Ray go around the city so he can go on his days 
and and he does that thing with the chairs, Matt, that you yeah, said. Yeah, he yeah, said, yeah. "Did we? Or did we not agree that if I let you go on your date tonight, you do the things that I want to do today, yeah. and you would do them without throwing a fucking moody <laughs> like the five year old who dropped all his sweets." <laughs> 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 brilliant all that bit when he asked him to go and see the vial of blood yeah. do I have to do I of course you don't fucking have to <laughs> of course you don't fucking have to yeah it's the bit before that though when he explains it all in the whisper yeah he's so excited he brought back from the crusades right yeah. and it turns do you know what it said to contain yeah. and it was it was dry blood and the fucking liquid from dry blood and it's just, it's so beautiful. It's so beautifully yeah. done. He doesn't have to do that to that no. level because no, he all he's doing is accentuating Farrell's performance. Yeah. yeah. Not his own. Mm-hmm. It's so, so selfless. It's great. Yeah, it is. Because Ray's doing all the like the raised eyebrows. And oh, really? Really? Oh, yeah. that's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. Don't care. No. Just want to go to the pub. <laughs> he just goes and waits in the queue and just stands there. It's so <laughs> defying. <laughs> And talking about Gleason, McDonough said one of Brendan's strengths as an actor is that he makes everything sound and seem so naturalistic, which is what we're, we're mm-hmm. getting at anyway. Mm-hmm. Like he's just making it up on the spot, which feels <laughs> exactly right. Mm-hmm. Also, his natural warmth and humanity and his joy of life shine through in most everything he does. Yeah. Without doubt. He yeah. lights the screen up. Yeah. Nailed on. And on the flip side of that, Gleason said, there is a soul to Martin's work. It's robust yet delicate. You have this combination of the worst of humanity speaking the most conscious free language, and yet you leave with a feeling of connection to these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gleason and Farrell, obviously, we've talked about it, have built up quite the friendship since in Bruges. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful thing to see, it and is, was yeah. further cemented by their work on Banshees. Yeah, and there's this amazing story Colin Farrell told where he said the moment he first met Brendan Gleason was at the Chelsea Hotel in Manhattan, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Farrell was really anxious because he knew that Brendan liked to drink, and at this point, Farrell had been 18 months sober. Right. Mm. And Farrell said, Brendan said, will you have a drink? And in Farrell's words, he went to a mini bar and he pulled out two bottles of water and said, I have still a sparkling. And in that moment, the simplicity of the gesture told me, there's a man that will look after you. There's a man that considers people. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, wonderful. I mean, that's just class, that, isn't it? It is. What it a is, classy thing classy, to do. Pure yeah, it really is. It is, yeah. yeah. Great story. Yeah. And with that, we're rounding off the cast with our second Patreon question. Right. This one comes from Liam Savage. Hello, Liam. Hello, Liam. Hello, Liam. Liam says, fantastic podcast. Well, thank you very much. No, that's very kind. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> <laughs> See it again. He says, one of my favourites, so thank you very much. And as a man from the Northeast, it's weirdly confident to hear some proper accents in a podcast. All right. Okay. Why I? How are the lads, man? (laughs) Some would disagree. (laughs) (laughs) We're trying to tone it down, Lee. We're trying trying this thing called diction now and again. Liam's question is this. Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell can now be classed as one of the greatest double acts in movie history, in my opinion. All right, that's fair enough. What yeah. other double acts can match or beat the Gleeson-Farrell Irish axes of brilliance? Right. Westy, do you want to take that? I mean, I've got a few that always shine for me, but what I've tried to go for are the ones that were a little bit mismatched. It's a classic. De Niro and Gordon in Midnight Run. Yes. Uh, Travolta, Samuel L. Jackson, Pulp Fiction. I think they're wonderful together on the screen. Arnold and DeVito in Twins. I think that's just (laughs) wonderful back and forth. And what I really enjoyed, and I watched it again with the kids, and I've forgotten how good their chemistry was, is Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones in the first Men in Black. Oh, incredible. Oh, yeah, great. They're really, really brilliant. It's the straight Mm -hmm. man and the comedy file, I think. For me, them them four, it's up there for me, and then I'll put Gleason and Farrell in that as well. 
Very nice. Yeah, I looked at this from a bit more of like a historical perspective, and I thought... Laurel and Hardy. Go, Laurel and Hardy. <laughs> well, yeah, Laurel and Hardy, the start of the whole thing. Still one of the absolute very best. They nail yeah, that yeah. dynamic mm-hmm. straight out, and, you know, they so many like, people yeah. are in their shadow, and that, that gives you Abbott and Costello and Bob mm. Hope and Bing Crosby. Mm-hmm. Personal nice. favourites, though, Lemon and Matt Au together are just gold nice. every time. Yeah. Redford and Newman. Yeah, Butch yes. Cassidy, the Sting, love those mm-hmm. guys. And then I don't think you can talk double acts without getting around to Shane Black because that's what he does. You he know, does the best. Two yeah. favorites of ours: Val Kilmer, Robert Downey Jr. in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Kiss Bang, Bang and yeah. obviously Gosling and Crow in The Nice Guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sensational, yeah. incredible. Yeah. yeah, no Riggs and Murtaugh for you, man. Well, I want to do you know not go the obvious route. I didn't hear Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor, oh. which I would. No, we're leaving that for you. That's there. why. Yeah. Ah, that's <laughs> yeah. good of you. <laughs> and the other ones I had: Groden and De Niro, Glover and Gibson. Obviously, Gibson. We don't talk about them these days. No. But there's magic in those performances, certainly in the first in the first film. Yeah. Definitely the first one. Yeah. But I can't get enough of Gleason and Farrell. I want these yeah. to star in Martin McDonough films until I die. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So thank you very much for your question, Liam. I hope that satisfies it. Yes, thanks, Liam. Yes, thank you, mate. So we haven't forgotten about the other cast members. We will be talking about Rafe Fiennes' Ari later. Yes, yeah. we will. We've talked about Clemens Posey. She's wonderful. We'll talk a little bit about Jordan Prentice as well as Jimmy. Yes. Both deserve a shout-out for their great work. Definitely. Yeah, brilliant. But in Bruges, is all about one of ATRM's favourite double acts, Colin yep. Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. Yeah, absolutely. This episode of All The Right Movies is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work and not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And a special offer to all ATRM listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash ATRM. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash ATRM. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of All The Right Movies. The Middle. The second act brings with it Ray's disastrous date with Chloe and a devastating phone call from Harry. Mm. Yep. It's a wild night full of extreme violence and hilarity, mm. and I'm starting off with the date. <laughs> Very good. Yes. Yeah. If you would write this down, it's the worst date ever. Yeah. But perfect for a character like Ray. Yeah. Ray beats up a couple in a Swiss restaurant. Mm-hmm. realizes that his date is a criminal she has a boyfriend and he blinds somebody i mean you couldn't you i mean you have wrote it mcdonough did write yeah. it but it's it's crazy yeah. it balances out yeah <laughs> <laughs> on chloe for a moment i think she's representative of mcdonough's vision overall and the themes of the film yeah. if uh, she's alluring and inviting but then she slowly reveals her darker side mm. in this restaurant scene she clearly has a twisted sense of humor and then we find out that she does sell drugs 
and that she robs tourists at gunpoint using the very thing that made her appealing in the first place. Yeah. And that is what Bruce does. It invites you in with his beauty, then shoots you in the alcoves. Mm. And I mean, how could Chloe be attracted to somebody who says these kinds of jokes about her hometown and about children? Yeah. There's obviously something very dark about her soul. But the smoking bit, the guy <laughs> is an utter prick. Regardless if you don't like smoking, he's got a valid point. Yeah. But you can't complain if you're in the smoking section. No, exactly. Yeah. And Ray just can't help himself. Yeah. There's no way with his hair trigger yeah. that he wouldn't let this go away. Yeah. His line of question completely baffles the, as we find out later, Canadian. Is that what the Vietnamese would say? <laughs> what is he talking about? The Vietnamese! Yeah, the Vietnamese. <laughs> what the fuck the Vietnamese got to do with this? You know exactly what he's talking about. It's so broad strokes, it's ridiculous. This whole xenophobia he has is clearly from his sheltered upbringing. Yeah. I think he's only been to Dublin in his life before going to London as a hitman. Yeah. yeah. And that's for John Lennon is such an off-the-wall comment. <laughs> it's so funny, though. <laughs> So if he blames America for John yeah, Lennon's the whole death, of like the whole, whole of America, and then when he says later on he was Canadian, well, they didn't kill John Lennon, did they? <laughs> God, I mean, he doesn't need much encouragement to hate other nationalities, and I suppose he's he's been a Beatles fan since he was a kid, and he's harboured this hatred around for uh, the Americans killed John Lennon, yeah. right? <laughs> First one I meet that crosses me. <laughs> And that punch comes out of nowhere yeah. <laughs> on both of them. I mean, she hits the table with some force. Yeah. Bang. A yeah. bottle. Yeah. No, don't bother. Bang. Yeah. And this is what the film's all about. Makes you laugh first and then consider your actions afterwards. Yes. We shouldn't be laughing at this kind of violence. No. And Ray's brand of humor either. Yeah. But it's very funny. Yeah. yeah. He walks out of that restaurant saying, I'd never hit a woman, mm. having just hit a woman five seconds earlier. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd Brilliant. hit a woman if she's coming at us with a bottle. Yeah. <laughs> And then when they're back at her place, again, it's comedy and tragedy. The farce around him being held at gunpoint and shooting a guy in the face with a blank. Shockingly hilarious. Yeah. What I love, though, is the contrast of that scene to what's going on with Ken when he gets that call from Harry because Ooh. the film's done a great job of building up Harry even though he's been off screen. And it's interesting that I think until the very end, he only ever interacts with Ken. And yeah. the interactions with Ken build up. It goes from a letter to a telephone conversation or two to the eventual face-to-face -face meet. Mm -hmm. But I just love this first phone conversation because it starts off. And it's so confusing. You know, Ken is obviously covering for Ray being out with Chloe. So he says he's in the toilet. And Harry's response, is he doing a wee or a poo? <laughs> That's horrible. Like, what's that matter? <laughs> what a wee yeah, thing to also ask. really childish as well. He really is, childish. He's really childish. But you get the sense that there is history between Ken and Harry and they do go back away. But even so, Ken still doesn't know how Harry will take certain things. So when he casually mentions that he's enjoying Bruce, but Ray isn't, that silence for Harry just goes, what? Yeah, <laughs> like the tension in that. Yeah. The tension. Ken in. knows his face yeah. drops. Oh, yeah, because he knows he, this isn't even something he, he should try to laugh off. Harry is so volatile and sods going on, you know. How can fucking someone's not fucking be somebody's fucking thing? Like, <laughs> it's terrifying but hilarious at the same time that someone will get so angry about that. But the bit that I think is the funniest in this scene is when Ken gets him calmed down by spinning him that absolute bullshit. Yeah. Do you know what he said to me? Ken, I know I'm awake, but I feel like I'm in a dream. In Gleason, he's incredible, just lying back on the bed. His expression like, expression's uh, great. I, is this going to work? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think I got away with that one. Yeah. So it's really, really funny, but then it absolutely turns in its head when Harry just goes, because he wasn't a bad kid, was he? 
Yeah. Oh, and also he's talking about reading the past tense. Past tense, yeah. And Ken knows immediately what Harry means. He now knows yeah. why he's there, what he's got to do, and he can see the devastation on his face. So yeah. it's a brilliant scene, and I just don't know if Gleason's ever been better than this scene because it's all him mm. on the phone. It is, yeah. yeah. And the great thing about that scene as well is when they're on set, is McDonough's reading back Harry's lines. So oh, fantastic. Gleason's reacting to like McDonough talking. Mm-hmm. So McDonough like knows exactly what that timing's going to be. And the way that that's matched to McFine's doing it just over the phone is incredible. There's a nice little note in this scene to Touch of Evil, the Orson Welles film. Yeah, it's where yeah, watching nice. the TV, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah. one of the most famous long takes in cinema history. Yeah, that and, and, and then this in itself is one take. And yeah. this one is, yeah. yeah, six minutes long take. Technically brilliant stuff. Impressive. Incredibly impressive from Gleason. It's so, yeah. so easy to miss that it's one take. It is. Yeah, very much. Mm. I would go for the highly controversial moment where they're at the bar, they're introduced that they've got cocaine, and they go back to the hotel room. And there's yeah. hookers there, a racist yeah. dwarf, and they start yeah. getting into these conversations. Now, for me, that would make a good film. <laughs> <laughs> and it does make a good film. I imagine Colin Farrell is very, very comfortable in this situation. I think yes. he's been there many, many times in somebody's kitchen at like five o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. off his face, yeah, talking yeah. about shit like this. And it's the way that Farrell's performance in this really pulls it off. When he, that cigarette is the only thing in his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he loves it. it. I'm definitely fighting with the Vietnamese. He's gasping for it. And mm. you always have these elements and these different elements that are brought into it where it's such a ridiculous thing to talk about. And I think it's just the way the whole thing is personified and made. And it's almost funny. But at the same time, it's really relatable where we've had these conversations where you've had a little bit too much. You've gone back yeah. to someone's house mm. and someone said something ridiculous. Someone said something ridiculous, but you kind of have to back it up because it's mm. such a ridiculous thing to talk about. Like the blacks versus the whites and all the black mm. midgets going to fight all the white midgets. Yeah. Oh, that'd be a good film. All right, great. Yeah. It's like, you don't decide this shit, man. But it's just Gleason's interjection because it's so ridiculous. And then he turns around and you find out that his wife was black mm. and was killed yeah. by a white man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And where do I stand in all this blood and carnage? Yeah. And he's like, well, yeah. you're going to have to make your own decision of this. And it's just, again, such a ridiculous thing that could have been spun out of control. Gleason comes in and just really anchors it down and locks yeah, it does. down. It sobers you immediately when you're watching mm-hmm. the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And it you, does. you're sober to it and you're like, oh my God. And then the brilliant thing about this whole conversation is that what is set up to know that Harry killed him, that Harry mm-hmm. killed the person who killed his wife. Yeah. Yeah. And he had his back, and that's how important Harry is to him in this setting, which mm-hmm. could have been so throwaway, but it yeah. isn't. And and Ray knows that. Yeah. And then it finishes quite funnily with that karate chop. <laughs> yeah. Of just like, I don't know, you don't know karate. Bang. Yeah. Like, and the both say, yeah. don't say you didn't have it coming. Yeah. And Gleason says it first, and then he's like, he finishes with short ass. But yeah. if he'd finished with what Gleason had said, don't say he didn't have it coming, which is a fairly straight, you know, grown up thing to say. It's like, this yeah. is too much for me. Yeah. Two monkey hookers and a racist dwarf, right? I'm fucking out of here. <laughs> it could be really offensive. It should be really offensive. But all of a sudden, it's really heartfelt. Mm. And I think yeah. that's just down to McDonough's right in his direction and the performances. I think it's just a wonderful scene. Great. Yeah, I just don't think there's a funnier line in this film than Jimmy saying, you don't know how much shit I've had to take off black midgets, man. <laughs> Ray's like, that's understandable or something. He's like, yeah, that's really understandable. <laughs> what? But it just, everything is just, that's hilarious, that's hilarious. And it builds and builds and builds where you're just like in a comfortable state of being like, oh, I'm in this conversation now. And yeah. then Gleason goes, bang, sledgehammer. Yeah. 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 Great. 
There's a number of deleted scenes from the film, most of them build on Ray's boredom and Ken's enchantment with Bruges. There's one flashback to Harry as a child in Bruges mm. and a hilarious one with Harry on the train making his way into the city. Yeah, the one that stands out the most, though, I think, is the one that gives a backstory to Ken and Harry's relationship because it depicts yeah. a young Harry, played by Matt Smith, actually, um, avenging mm-hmm. the death of Ken's wife. It's pretty shocking as well, that brutal, that one. Yeah. Yeah, we get more of Ken's past in this scene in particular, but yeah. the one that you're talking about, Matt, is really bizarre. Harry waltzes into a police station mm-hmm. and decapitates a policeman yeah. who was responsible for killing Ken's wife. Yeah. It's very crudely done in the deleted scene, and I suppose it throws up the question, how the hell did Harry think he could get away with something like that? Yeah. Just waltzing into a police station and beheading the policeman. Yeah. I mean, he's crazy enough to do it, but yeah. how didn't he go down for it? No. Yeah. yeah, I think the only reason they left it out was because the CGI didn't look good enough or the effect yeah, wasn't, it, yeah, wasn't yeah. good. Yeah, it's very rough, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, very much so, but I think it's really it's a really important plot point, and all the lever to is this. Mm. Like, yeah. Did yeah. they get him? Yeah, Harry, Harry Waters got him. Yeah. Yeah. Bang. Yeah. Jordan Prentice plays Jimmy in the film. He said of his character, Jimmy only adds to the unavoidable, surreal nature of the whole place and yes. experience for Ken and especially Ray. Yeah. He's a very disgruntled, angry soul. And as an actor, I love playing the scenes where Jimmy voices his bizarre theories. He's great as well. He is. He's very good. Yeah. McDonough said, though, about writing a little person into a script, he said that because the character is an actor, it allows you to explore darker themes. And he said... Because obviously all they ever get to play is an elf or a munchkin or something like that. So I kind of wanted to explore how does that affect you if you are a good actor? How do you live? Mm. What do you turn to? How does it make you feel? In this case, he turns to cork and hookers. And I mean, McDonough's outlook, he might just be onto something. And like, don't be offended immediately. Explore mm. it immediately yeah. mm-hmm. and find yeah. out what is upsetting you. What is the stereotype? Mm. And address it and make it stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Make it stupid so that people go, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it, it, maybe it's a really great outlook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. So a wild night for certain, and with morning comes the day of reckoning. Mm. Next up, Ken stops Ray killing himself in the park, packs him off on a train, and calls Harry with the very bad news. Yeah. yeah. And I'm starting with the scene in the park. It's so incredibly complex, this scene. Ken doesn't want to kill Ray, but he has to. But when he nears, Ray pulls a gun out on himself and Ken stops him. Now, as Harry quite rightly points out later in the film, not only have you refused to kill the boy, you've stopped the boy from killing himself, which would have solved my problem, Mm -hmm. which would have solved your problem, which sounds like it would have solved the boy's problem. It really is that simple. But McDonough weaves this complex web of human emotion and compassion into proceedings. I think this is the moment where Ken suddenly realizes his calling. Yeah, He's been a lost soul for years after the death of his wife. And now, this time in this place, with a soul to save, he knows what his purpose is. Mm. It's a beautifully realized bit of writing. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, you've got a heart-wrenching performance from Colin Farrell. We can all feel his pain. There's real emotion, but the fact that he's chosen a child's playground as his suicide spot is darkly comic. Yeah, I suppose in his heart, this is the obvious choice to do it, to repent his sins. But I mean, have a day off, Ray. These kids don't want to see your brain splattered all over the swings. I, I think the main thing is, is you see a child playing with a mother and he does see children in the film and it goes into slow motion when that happens. But mm. I think what he wants to do is just witness a child being alive mm. before he takes himself out. That he wants to the see last them, thing he sees. See yeah. them happy and yeah. see them the joy. alive. And that's why yeah. he goes to a kid's park and seeing them play and seeing them happy, yeah. which is but why he wants go, to do it. Go, go around to the alcoves afterwards. Well, maybe he's going to, but the kid's <laughs> left by that the point. Park. There's nobody there. All he does is yeah. watch the kid. When the kid's left, he pulls the gun out. 
Yeah, no, but there'll be kids coming later. Yeah. Well, maybe, but that's not his problem then, is it? <laughs> just remind if they see the mess. I mean, it just confirms Ray's naivety and that he yeah, really definitely. is a child yeah, at heart. Yeah, yeah. And there are two standout moments of humour. When Ray asks Ken what the fuck he was doing, mm. he says nothing as he hastily shuffles the gun behind his yeah, back. It was just behind really the great thing. Timing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the laugh outline for me is in the aftermath of this scene. The two fellas are sitting on some kind of child's apparatus and Ken takes Ray's gun and Ray says, a great day this has turned out to be. I'm suicidal. My mate tries to kill me. My gun gets nicked and we're still in fucking Bruges <laughs> slapping his thighs. <laughs> so angry. Yeah. <laughs> he really hates the place. <laughs> so that balance that we've been talking about all the way through, it's there in this scene and it's magnificent stuff. Yeah. After this, this is when we finally get to meet Harry when Ken rings him. And this is the scene that sealed the deal for me with this film. Yeah. <laughs> this was just, this is magic. This is amazing. I love Ken on the other end of the phone, just throwing his words back at him. I quite like Bruce. It's like a fucking fairy tale or something that just hangs up. Yeah. And Brilliant. then that cut defines <laughs> the first time you've seen him. It's a perfectly timed amount of silent rage and disbelief. <laughs> And he's just taking in what Ken's done. So he's looking out the window before he starts laying into that phone handset. <laughs> and he's so angry, he smashes it onto the floor, but picks it up to put it back on the desk yeah, just so he can yeah. keep on smashing it. Yeah. And then this leads to the line of the film for me. You know, his wife comes in, Harry, it's an inanimate fucking object. You're an inanimate fucking object. Yeah. Unreal. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> So Amazing, because we've all been so annoyed at someone or something. We've said something <laughs> ridiculous because it's the first thing we can think of. Yeah, it's her oh, reaction when she yeah. walks back into the yeah. sitting room, just like we're shrugging, just yeah. like, oh, he's mad at it again. He's doing it he again. Like he does this every week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, an inanimate fucking object. It's just <laughs> been burned into my brain from the first viewing. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. It's such a great introduction to him because, yeah, he's terrifying, he's violent, but... Look at him with his kids. He's great with his kids, you know. Yeah. Softly spoken. You know, be good for mummy and in a motto. Yeah. And it's interesting, <laughs> he doesn't have like a trophy wife or like a gangster's mall on his arm. He's He's got yeah. this vibe of like, he's more like a successful businessman, but he's got this flip side to it. Yeah. You know? mm. And he, he's great with her as well. Like, I'm sorry for calling you an inanimate object. Like genuinely upset. sorrowful. I was yeah. upset. I was upset. upset. Yeah. yeah. It's when he's talking to the kids as well, I've got to go to Bruges. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's talking about Ken. He's looking at his kids when he's talking about yeah. Ken. Yeah. So yeah. you know the kids, they the obviously kids know, know who he is. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's so much depth yeah. to it. It's amazing. It is. And then it sets up the other thing, which obviously comes really important, is underneath it all, he's a man of principle. You know, he says to his wife, it's a matter of honour. And that's why yeah, he's going right. by himself. He's not sending yeah. the boys. He says that to his kids. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's, a matter it's about of honor. Ken. It's a matter of honor. It sums the character up. Yeah. Great. It's brilliant. I just love that scene so much. It's incredible. I'll go for the bit after that. They get Ray on the train. He says he's going to kill himself in a couple of weeks anyway. Oh. You're not, you're right. And then the door <laughs> oh, shuts. that shrug. Oh, no. But that shot, watch it again. It starts like in front of Gleason. He's looking into the camera. Camera pans around, comes around, and reveals Gleason standing on the platform as it goes away. Mm. That's really powerful. And then he's just sat there, see the guy come on, and you just think, this film's going somewhere else. It's meant to be in Bruges all mm. the time. Mm. He's on yeah. a train now. He's gone somewhere else, yeah. as you would normally think. And it's a great callback. Like I've said, there's so many mirrors in this film, so many plot mirrors that start and then end. And you go, well, where is this one going to come from? 
And he's like, that's him. That's the motherfucker. And you're like, oh, <laughs> fuck. Yeah, shit. <laughs> but before that, it's Farrell's performance for me in this sequence because he's like, he's had enough of the script. He's had enough of trying to fit in. You heat the, I heat the Canadian and his <laughs> eyebrows just come into this. Like I heat the Canadian. I don't know what you're talking about. It's so funny. Every time I hear him say you heat the Canadian, and it's like, we're taking you back to Bruges. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> and then he, this when he's got the realization as well, it's, he's like Canadian. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. And he knows Great. that yet he's trying to get away from it and he's getting pulled back. Yeah. And that's incredible for me from a writing point of view from a direction point of view, from a performance point of view, where you think this film's going somewhere else and it pulls you back. Yeah. So with all the aggressors' conversion on Bruges, Bruges. we're headed for a bloody showdown. (laughs) The crew. The crew on In Bruges brings with it a whip-smart screenplay from Martin McDonough, music from a legend in his field, and incredible cinematography from a relative unknown. Hmm. Starting off with the screenplay, I'm going to talk about the probably the main theme in the writing, and that is of Bruges being representative Purgatory for Ray. Oh, nice. Yeah. He's been sent there by Harry before his fate is sealed. This is visualized in the Hieronymus Bosch paint in The Last Judgment, which they see in the museum. Yep. It's probably the only thing in Bruges that Ray takes a mild interest in, apart from women and beer and drugs. I like this one. (laughs) Yeah. What is it about? And these are the layers that the film has under the surface. It's a very funny film, very violent film, full of soul-crushing despair and uniquely optimistic. And under all of that is weaved this classical art and literature narrative. Mm. When has this kind of thing ever sat next to a string of prejudice jokes towards anyone that Ray sees is different to him? Yeah. It's a pretty remarkable thing that McDonough achieves in his writing here. And we'll talk about the purgatory again at the end of the film, but also in that museum moment, Ray gives his understanding of the concept. He says, you weren't really shit, but you weren't all that great either. Mm. Like Tottenham. <laughs> uh, as a Tottenham supporter oh, myself. Wounding for you. I was going to ask, <laughs> what does this mean? Because it doesn't mean the place, surely. Is it their placement on the table or something? <laughs> They're talking about it as if it's an alien concept. Well, yeah. <laughs> placement on the table. The Premier League, are they like yeah. second or something? No, they are usually shit. <laughs> right, okay. Usually kind of mid-table. We've been doing better in the last, say, 10 years, mm. but we never won anything for years. Okay. Yeah. So that's what that's what Ray is talking about here. And it's, it's a fair cop, really. McDonough said that this line is a constant source of anxiety in his life. If Tottenham do turn a corner and start to pick up trophies, this will render the line obsolete. I think McDonough is safe on that one, though. <laughs> And as a side note on the dialogue in the film, I think it just bristles with energy, offbeat humour delivered by offbeat characters like Yuri, the local heavy giving guns out like there's no tomorrow when he's talking about the alcohol. Oh, yes. And he says, you use this word, alcohol? Yes. Or nooks and crannies. Nooks and crannies, (laughs) yes. How fucking (laughs) cool is his house as well, though? His house looks amazing. It's like a museum of shit. It's fantastic. There's no way you could be comfortable there. You want some dum-dums? I don't know why that's so irresistible, but it is nooks and crannies. Ooh. I absolutely <laughs> love it. This guy, I love him. Yeah. Fantastic. What I want to focus on, the use of language, not so much the profanity, but the insults, which are like 90% okay. of Ray's dialogue. Yes. Because I do know people who've sat down to watch this and said, I had to turn it off. I couldn't cope with the language. 
Right. And I, I do understandable. Good. Never yeah, speak it is them again. Good <laughs> <laughs> we'll judge character there. Classic Westie. Yep. Classic Westie. <laughs> And I do get that because it can be tough to listen to and certainly some of the things Ray comes out are hair-raising, to say the least. Yeah. But I think it's worth pointing out if you ever read or listen to an interview with Martin McDonough, he's clearly a very intelligent and erudite man. He doesn't litter his own speech or interviews with Not the torrent of C-bombs. No. And I think it's a really good example of realising that just because a writer writes a character a certain way, it doesn't mean that the writer agrees with either what they say or how they say it. It's just mm-hmm. about how that character is. And with three of those insults that constantly come out of his mouth, like we say, he's obviously had a very sheltered life and he just doesn't understand the world, really, outside of Dublin. Yeah, not at all. And it tells you he has no filter. And for me, it's a way to make you unsure how much should you like this guy? Because on one hand, you've got Farrell with this really charismatic, funny performance, but then on the other hand, he killed a kid. And then you uh-huh. add into that the language that he uses and it keeps mm. you off balance. You get to the end of the film and you think, I don't know if he's going to live or die here. And I also don't know how I feel about that. Like, have yeah. I forgiven him? Or is this... It's a remarkable thing. Yeah, or is he irredeemable? And this is fair enough what's happened to him. And that, to me, is why McDonough puts that language in Ray's mouth. He doesn't put it in Ken's mouth. Ken mm. never says anything like that. Harry does no, occasionally. But again, with Harry, you, you're not supposed to really like Harry. He's funny, but no. not likable. And I no. think it's the sign of someone quite brave to write lines of dialogue where he's essentially saying... I'm going to make you laugh at something you shouldn't be laughing at. Mm. And it's the shocking nature of it which makes you laugh. And the yeah. thing is, he's not doing it just for shock value. Personally, there's nothing I dislike more than shock comedians because I find that quite yeah. boring. Like anyone could say something offensive and yeah, get up on course. stage. Crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it takes no thought of it, but it takes real intelligence to say, this is why my character is saying these particular words. And yes, it's horrible, but that's the point. And I think mm-hmm. McDonough's writing treats his audience with a huge amount of intelligence to understand that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, very much. He said the word is more about the rhythm. He said, I listen yeah. to a character talk in my head and that's what they say and that's what I hear. Mm. And he said, but as a person, I don't swear. Yeah, yeah, he never does. I've never heard him mm. swear in an interview or anything. But doing research into this, there are 126 uses of the F-bomb in the film, around mm. 1.18 per minute. Rabbit fire. Well, I mean, you could top that if we just let you go for 107 minutes. Absolutely. Yeah. All the shit you've got to cut out. <laughs> Cheesy swears a lot. <laughs> it's the same as Tarantino not sitting there just doing the end bomb every minute, but he knows that his characters need to say it. Mm. And he's yeah. not afraid to understand that his characters understand that language, but he doesn't necessarily understand that language. Mm. Mm. And it's really brave to be able to put that down and think that people don't judge you for it. Mm, you yeah. don't think that that's yeah, yeah. me personally mm-hmm. i'll be terrified to write that down in the screenplay yeah. and all yeah. this kind of stuff because it had to come from somewhere yeah of course it does but i think he just understands that and i think that comes down to the way that he balances it with an introduction and then a resolution with a lot of what he says makes sense later on and it has a mm. reason and it has a purpose and it's not just said to be offensive he yeah. says it mm-hmm. for his characters to say it yeah. And for yeah. his characters to have an arc and for them to come from one route to another route. And he's done it time and time again. To me, it shows like a real intelligence, like Matt said. Always, I'll always say Tarantino's feelers. I always will. Mm-hmm. And McDonough's the same. Is yeah. is one of them real artists. I'm not even going to mm-hmm. call him a writer. I'm not even going to call him a director. I'm just going to call him an artist. But yeah. someone who can get something and make it accessible, make it funny, make it sad, 
And how many times have you sat next to someone and going, you know, I know you're a C-bomb and you're mm. this. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. you want to just express yourself in that way where it's so <laughs> blunt and it's so matter of fact, but it's not offensive. There's love mm-hmm. in it. And he yeah. understands it. And I think that's what he is as a writer. And I think that's why it takes him so long between films. Yeah. yeah. Because there's so much emotion and he wants to get it right every time. And I really appreciate that. I agree. Yeah. Everything's perfectly placed in a McDonough it, film. It there's is. nothing out of place. Yeah. Everything is a, has a purpose. Yeah. yeah. For me, it does. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I know that McDonough conceived the idea for in Bruce after a day trip to the place itself. And he'd actually went there on a date, but the date cancelled on him. So oh, right. he was left yeah. alone in the city trying to keep himself entertained. And he said he was initially enchanted by the architecture and the history, but he soon became bored because he said there wasn't much to do apart from go to art gallows. He just wound up getting drunk instead. And he <laughs> said, that kind of became two characters in my head, the culture-loving geek and the drunken slut. <laughs> yeah, you can totally see that though. Like if you go Weird. there on a date and you get turned down, yeah. you can, I want to appreciate this place, yeah, but yeah, how quickly do, yeah. that's going to be worn out. Yeah. It's going to be pretty instantaneous. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he said, so I just let those characters speak in my head and I thought, why would these two people be in a town like Bruges mm. when they don't want to be? Yeah. And that's when the whole idea of them being hitmen came up mm. and their escape and a horrific job that went wrong. Yeah. yeah. He actually stayed in the same hotel room that the boys did. Yeah. On oh, his wow. original visit to the city. Yeah. Oh, amazing. You can tell it's mm. his experiences of going yeah. to these places, wanting yeah, to get yeah. something from it, mm. and just being mm-hmm. like, I'm not getting anything from it. What would I do? No, I don't. Do I have to go and touch it? No, I don't have to. You can see him talking <laughs> to himself. <laughs> you don't have to. In his original script, the two hitmen were from London, but this was changed mm. when Gleason and Farrell came on board. I thought it was ridiculous to make them put on London accents. It was such an easy change to make them Irish gunmen working out of London. And I yeah. think it kind of adds an extra frisson to the whole thing of having British boss with two Irish gunmen. It is kind of like Ireland as well, isn't it, Bruges? Yeah, but it's got that history to it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that would have been the Guy Ritchie spinoff that we hated from the poster. <laughs> yeah, would have. Yeah. There have been similarities drawn between Harold Pinter's play The Dumb Waiter about two hitmen waiting for a job yeah. and shooting the breeze. That was a big influence on it. And the two aliases that are given at the hotel are Cranham and Blakely. Mm-hmm. The actors Kenneth Cranham and Colin Blakely starred in the TV adaptation of The Dumbwaiter. Oh, right. Nice. Right. Nice. nice tie in. Yeah, lovely. So despite some clear influences, I think we all agree, an incredible piece of writing from Martin McDonough. Yep. Next up, we're talking about the score for In Bruges, composed by Cohen favourite Carter Burwell. Yes. Matt, the music in the film, what are your thoughts? I think the music was one of the first giveaways that this wasn't going to be the film I was worried it might be because I think <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely apart, apart from that guitar at the end which kicks in when Harry is chasing Ray everything else I think feels very timeless like just lots of these very like melancholic piano melodies mm. just very subtle just layered over the top and you know there's no like edgy indie songs slapped over the top of scenes to like oh yeah this will give it a kick up the arse this will make it seem cool the film's not about mm, that. Not that. It's not interesting. Mm. That it's one of those cases where you know the music is just always about serving the scene. So the only song you get is Raglan Road at the end, which does work mm. really well with Ken's death, and it is the only yeah. song there. So you know, mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate how it is removed from the whole kind of Britpop, Guy Ritchie, Edgar Wright type of soundtrack. A song every yeah. ten minutes to jazz it up mm-hmm. a bit. Don't get me wrong; they have their place and they work in their films. Oh yeah, but that wouldn't yeah, work definitely. for this film. Yeah. Yeah, there's certainly a, the otherworldliness feel to the music, like it's from a bygone era. I really feel it does evoke that fairy tale that we keep hearing mm-hmm. about. 
but there's a sinister side to it that never is too far away from the surface, just bubbling under. Mm. So no matter how funny the film gets, we can never get too comfortable because we can feel that there's something sinister lurking around the corner yeah. of the music. Brooding. Yeah. Yeah, it's full of melancholy and sadness. Burwell said that it was very important that sitting next to the comedy in the film, the music had to be poker straight mm. and take itself very seriously. Yeah. He said the more serious the music is, the sillier the goings on in the film will appear. Yeah. And I agree with that. It puts me in mind of those, you know, slightly different tone, but it puts me in mind of those great Elmer Bernstein scores for Animal House and Ghostbusters, which are straight as a die into this absurd comedy. Yeah, yeah. Like Harry's theme, like the music that accompanies Harry. It's like really Mm -hmm. that boom and dramatic. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it is. As he's walking over the bridge. Yeah, yeah. yeah, But then that converse of how ridiculous the scene is when he meets Ken. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like like Fargo. It is. It's very like Fargo. Yeah, Yeah, very similar, Yeah. yeah. Westy, what about you, the music and the film? I find it just very, very unselfish and very refrained. He's very much a visual composer because yeah. you don't notice it. You don't want to turn around and buy a Carter Burwell score separately to the film. Mm. I mm. think it's a perfect marriage between visual and audio, and it impacts on every single thing that you see. The way that he can support a voiceover, mm-hmm. it just sits underneath it and swims. It's like the the yeah. audio, like if you're watching Ken walk over a bridge, the audio's underneath it. Mm-hmm. And that's how it feels when I'm watching this film. Like the audio is just in the alcoves, it's in the shadows, <laughs> and you're watching when the sun hits, and that's the visual, but you're getting everything else from from the shadows. And that's I think that's what Carter Burwell does really, really well in this. Yeah, a great score reflecting the subdued elegance of the city. Yeah, definitely. Finally, a man we've not talked about on the show, I Gil Brilled. I would have said we're unlikely to talk about him again, but he's recently shot Alexander Payne's The Holdovers, which yes. is catnip for us, oh, so there's a chance. Beautiful looking film, that. Mm-hmm. But what about his work on In Bruges, Westy? Yeah, I think what Brill does with this is really support McDonough's view and his stylistic vision, but doesn't lock it down into mm. any real time or moment. I'm astonished that this film is as old as it is. Every time mm, I watch yeah. it, I go, oh, Colin Farrell looks really old now. <laughs> but this came out last year, surely, in Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> came out, yeah. it, it's so fresh. 15 years ago. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I look at my daughter, I'm like, this is older than you are, and I just don't get it. <laughs> because it's just shot in such a way that's so classical, that's so selfless, in the same way that Carter Burwell did the music. I think that what Brill brings to this is just exactly what McDonough wanted him to do. Mm. And he does it so well. I don't really feel that there's an argument there going, we should shoot Bruges in like wide angles and we need mm. a drone shot over the church as Ken falls out of it and then it sweeps down and it does this. Now we just need a point of view shot from there, that from there, that from there. And it's one of the first films where I really don't overanalyze what it's shot on, what lenses they mm. used. Mm. I don't really care because it all just blends into the narrative. It all blends into the performance. Everything's just such a complete thing. I know that I'll never be able to replicate it. So I don't really care what it's shot on. Even if I knew, and even if I got that camera, I couldn't do this. So that's how good his work is on it, to be fair. Great. Yeah, I really like his two-shot frame and other characters when they're talking side by side. They seem oddly out of place in the frame, which I guess is a reflection of their misplace. Yeah. No, I mean, not just in Bruges, but in the world, considering their line of work. And Brill focuses on the imposing nature of the city in those two shots. And overall, really, it feels like the city's almost oppressive in the way that it dominates the frame. Yeah. Further emphasizing like that purgatory theme. It, like it's judging Ken and Ray. Yeah. It's all very intimate. Yeah. 
and the camera lingers on faces, not least Ken, where we're able to see what's going through his head without any dialogue to confirm it. Yeah. yeah. The key thing for me is, I think, how the look of the film slowly changes. Like mm. I said in the opening scenes, it's, it seems very bleak. There's a real coldness to it, and you do kind of understand why Ray isn't impressed by any of it. But I think as it progresses, and he finds more and more there to enjoy and more of a reason to think about still being alive. I think the look of the film does slightly soften. And again, this for me is evidence of why McDonough doesn't leave a word of dialogue in here without really thinking about it. Because by the time you get mm-hmm. to the final third, that freeze and fog that Ken was lying about earlier does actually roll in. It is in that scene. It does, yeah. And mm-hmm. all the street lamps are lit, the Christmas trees, the Christmas lights have been put on as well. So it does, again, have that fairy tale aspect to it. It does have just that slight divorce from reality look to it it has a glow to it and that again yeah it contrasts to all the violence that's happening so just everything what you two guys have said really it just supports the story in mcdonough's vision so well yeah it does yeah it really captures mcdonough's mm. vision a superb crew on in bruges production designed by michael carlin is incredible yes yuri's apartment is something else but the standouts are the outstanding screenplay by McDonough, Carter Burwell's Haunted Music, and Igel Brill's Eye for the Pain and Beauty in the Story. Yes, definitely. The end. The final act. It's all happening on the cobbled streets of Bruges. I'm sure this is the moment that you've been waiting for, Matt, mm. your entire <laughs> life. I have the bleeper on standby. Yes. You're going to need Take it. Away. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I mean, I'll say this, Harry gets to Bruges very quickly, doesn't he? He very does quickly, very quickly, quickly indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets to Bruges quicker than he gets down off the tower. <laughs> <laughs> he, he really does, not it makes you think like, yeah. has Ken just been sat there in that bar all day, just getting pissed waiting for him? I mean, I don't blame him. Every beer in this film looks amazing. Oh, I get gosh. really thirsty but watching this film. it looks so mm. strong it as well. It does as well, like, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. Four in 20 minutes. Yeah. I'm going to bed. No chance. No <laughs> chance. So you've had this build-up. You know Harry is the threat. You know what he wants to do to Ray, and almost certainly what he wants to do to Ken now as well. But the whole scene just plays out as absolute farce. And I think a lot of that is because Ken and Harry have known each other for so long. They've just got these lingering resentments towards each other. Yeah. So when Harry says, yeah. excuse me, Ken, I have the capacity to change. Yeah, you have the capacity to get fucking worse. Oh, yeah. now we're getting down to it. <laughs> now we're getting down, down to it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He relaxes in his seat. <laughs> it's really funny. It, the whole thing to me, it's like a really bad appraisal with your manager at work. You know, you know the kind of people are like, why didn't you do your paperwork? Why hasn't that been filed? Why? Yeah. Didn't, where's that gone? It has that whole vibe to it. And it's Harry's increasing disbelief at the situation. You know, Ken thinks he's explaining it. But the boy's suicidal, Harry. He's suicidal. You're suicidal. <laughs> I'm suicidal. I'm suicidal. Everyone's <laughs> fucking suicidal. We don't all keep going on about it. <laughs> really funny. And it's really harsh. But at the same time, McDonald's has told you how the film's going to end. Yeah. And yeah. there's no way mm-hmm. you would guess that these characters are going to kill themselves because you think, well, how yeah. and why? It's yeah. so clever how he signposted it, but not in an obvious way at all. But Harry just gets funnier and funnier when Ken tells him he actually stopped Ray from shooting himself. The look on Harry's face... Because, hey, what? <laughs> this just gets fucking worse. It's fucking worse, yeah. <laughs> we were down the park. Let me get this right. You were down the park. <laughs> just so farcical, complete disbelief brilliant. what these two idiots have been doing on this yeah. supposedly simple job. And it's so brilliantly written because 
when Harry makes that big deal about how if it had been him that had killed the kid accidentally or otherwise, he'd have killed himself on the fucking spot. On the fucking spot, mate. Yeah. Which you think is all bluster. But no, as it turns out, this is what's going to happen to Harry at the end. It's set Mm -hmm. the end up absolutely beautifully. It's right under your nose and you don't realise for a second. And I've not even mentioned Ken calling Harry's kids (laughs) 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 Your quote from the top. And so my fucking kids kids going overboard, overboard, mate. (laughs) He's really insulted by it. He's furious. Do you know what my favourite bit about the whole bit is like... (laughs) When he talks about the alcoves, yeah. and they're so much oh, good friends. Yeah. Like, it's it's what's he going to you about yeah, the alcoves yeah, as well. Yeah, that's what I mean. They've got this yeah. history. They've got this history. And they've got this, like, and it, it stops and it pauses. And then they're like, right, we've got to get back to this again. Yeah. And then he's talking about the kids and he, he insults them. And, and it's when. Yeah, I fucking got that. Yeah, it's <laughs> when Vines goes, like, what have they done? Yeah. <laughs> that line done. really hits me. He so, what have they done? Yeah. Like, fuck because he knows he's, he's like a man of principle. And yeah. he's like, actually, what have I, I know what I've done. Yes, I know I am. Yes. Right. What have they done? Nothing. So we'll retract it now. Because yeah. that doesn't justify that. Yeah. Well, I love the scene when they go up to the bell tower. Yeah. McDonough establishes location impeccably in one shot. The camera circles Chloe and Ray kissing as Ken and Harry walk. Oh, yeah, 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 unaware. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Wonderful. All the pieces come together beautifully. The moment when Harry and Ken get to the entrance. It's been amazingly set up in the first act. This guy behind the desk is a total hard-on. Yeah, he's a pain in the arse, yeah. And he's in for much more than he bargained for with Harry. I mean, he is he is very aggressive, yeah. poking Harry in the forehead, Englishman. Yeah. And Ken's reaction's amazing. Oh, so when he starts to do that, he's like, Ooh, Yeah, he just shit. walks away. I'll just walk away. Yeah. Walks off, yeah. But with that little bit of thinking, he deserves it, to be fair. He was a dick yeah, to me earlier. So- you get what's coming to you here. <laughs> yeah. But when they get to the top, it's just magnificently funny and tragic and life-affirming and everything in between. Ken puts his gun down. He's not fighting mm. anymore. Harry says, don't come over all gandy on me. <laughs> <laughs> but then Ken goes into this heartfelt place of real affection for Harry and what he's done for him. Mm-hmm. Really emotional. Yeah. Yeah. And Harry can't believe it. And he lets out this kind of like hilarious, exasperated noise when he says, I love you. Unreservedly, he goes, what? <laughs> 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 And because of this outpouring of emotion, Harry is close to tears himself Mm. and he can't shoot Ken. But because he's gone to Bruges on a mission to kill Ken, Mm. he's got to get his pound of flesh somewhere. So out of frustration, he shoots him in the leg. (laughs) Says, like, I'm not going to do nothing to you just because you're standing about like Robert fucking Powell. (laughs) (laughs) Like who? Like Robert fucking Powell. Jesus of fucking Nazareth. When I first heard that, I fucking buckled. It was me Nana's favourite performance of Jesus was Robert Powell. Like, Robert Powell was like the ultimate Jesus portrayal. And I was wet myself. No one's heard Robert Powell's. Robert fucking Powell. No, nobody knows who Robert Powell is. (laughs) Even Ken doesn't. He's like, you do. Oh, it's wonderful. And after this, he even helps him downstairs like yeah. a brother. I know, but all right. that changes when Eric comes on the scene. And yeah. One of these fellas has to take the bullet. Yeah, Ken must have to have a go at Harry to prevent him from getting to Ray. And as a result, Harry has to defend himself. Yeah, It's beautifully constructed. Yeah, It is. On cast and finds, McDonough said, I wanted to cast completely against type. 
go for someone who'd bring an intensity and darkness and danger to it. He also brought something I hadn't seen in him before, which was his brilliant comic timing. Yeah, which yeah, he's hilarious. Absolutely. So, so good. In Fines himself, he took inspiration from a real favourite of ours. We all love this one, The Long Good Friday. Oh, nice. Bob yes. Hoskins' incredible performance as Harold Shand. In mm-hmm. Fines said that Shand is this savage gangland madman, but he also has a sensitive side. He's a family man with a strict moral code. Yeah, he said you get that a sense of that world with the Bob Hoskins character where he has a girlfriend and he has friends. Yeah. And then there's this tough business side and you yeah. do get that scene. And that's why that scene, yeah. the inanimate object scene, is very important. It's not yeah. just good bustingly hilarious. No. We need to see him at home. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. To show his layers. Yeah. And I think it's appropriate now to introduce our third and final Patreon question. This one comes from DG Barkles. Hello, DG. Hello, DG. He said, first time I saw this at the cinema, I was thoroughly blown away while simultaneously laughing my ass off at its ultra blackest of black comic tone. Mm. He said, I was not mm. expecting the introduction of Rafe the Legend finds at all, mm. but his cameo mm. is one of the most hilarious and perfect that I've ever seen. My question is, are there any better or more enjoyable cameos that you could name? P.S. Keep up the great work, you massive legends. You brighten up a lot of soul-crushing commutes. Oh, wow. Oh, nice. Our oh, pleasure. Yeah, yes, our really pleasure. Is. Hopefully it's not a commute to Bruges. Yes. No, no. <laughs> Matt, mm. cameos, what do you like? A cameo for me is someone who's an absolute surprise and mm. shows up for yes. maybe just one scene. So I really love yeah. Samuel L. Jackson at the end of Out of Sight. That's a brilliant one. Great. Nice. Okay. Yes. Dan Aykroyd always puts a smile on my face in Temple of Doom, the guy showing Indy and Willie under the plane to make <laughs> nice. escape. Yeah. Okay, I thought you were yeah. going to say Casper there. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't jump into me number three here. Still great. <laughs> Still great. Um, and also Harrison Ford in E.T. He's the voice of the science teacher. I like that one yes. as well. That one's good. Yeah, yeah. Scott says he does great ones. He's really chilling in Taxi Driver. That's yeah, really yeah, one agreed. scene. I really yeah. liked his, yep. his cameo in there, Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, yes. Bill Murray, Zombieland. That's a really funny one. And right. Another one that really made me laugh was uh, Channing Tatum in This Is The End. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's very strange. It is. Very 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 funny. Yeah. 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 I kind of take your point, Matt, that it's one scene and it's from somebody you wouldn't expect. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of against type, isn't it? Mm. It is. Yeah. Yeah. But I suppose the obvious ones, Alec Baldwin and Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. The leads are shit. Your shit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) I'm a big fan of one we talked about a few months back on our double feature show, Gene Hackman in. Young Frankenstein. Oh, yeah, great. Yeah. Cigars. Wonderful. Great, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is he doing in that film? Uh, Billy Crystal in This Is Spinal Tap. Oh, Mime is money. Yeah, yeah, always yeah. a joy. And Princess Bride. And Princess Bride, yep. yeah, very yep. much. Yep. And I've got to throw in the boss. Springsteen in High Fidelity. Nice. Got goodbye. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fantastic. What about you, Westy? I'm just trying to figure out what's not already been said. Um, <laughs> Tom Cruise in Tropic Thunder. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're talking about someone against mm-hmm. type, he's an absolute Very fucking much. marvel in that. He is. That's mm-hmm. really brilliant. Yeah. And I love Tarantino in Desperado. I thought you were going to say Django Unchained. No, because that's his own <laughs> film, so he's allowed to be in that. But every, every single Tarantino performance is a cameo, let's yeah. be honest. Yeah, it is. He's funny in Desperado. For me, Scorsese and Taxi Driver is probably the ultimate cameo mm. in its way of like, who is yeah. this guy and how good is he mm. in yeah. that? And he's yeah, the he's so yeah. brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So, West, are you going to wrap us up on this scene? You're talking oh. about Ken's fault. Oh. Yeah. Devastating. I wanted to talk about this scene because this is the only scene that really puts us off watching the film. 
Because I always want to see the film, but it's so sad mm-hmm. and it's so mm-hmm. well done and it's so real yeah. that I kind of always imagined this scene. I have to deal with it mentally and then put the film on. Mm. Right. Because once you've seen it, it you're kind of like, right, you've got to prepare yourself for this moment. And if I'm ready for that moment, then I can watch everything that's come before it and ready for mm-hmm. that. Mm. I mean, I'm not a massive fan of local music of this and that and whatever else but i think the dubliners on raglan road in this sequence is so beautifully played out i think it's incredible spine tingling on raglan road of an autumn day i saw her first and the new with Madonna, it could be something that was really upbeat, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. to counteract the visual. Yeah. And you listen to almost the whole song, yeah. and it's yeah. all, you're just all the way through. And the way that this reflects to what I was talking about with the Happy In Your Work scene, mm-hmm. if he had to pay that money and got rid of his coins, he wouldn't be able to scatter them, and he wouldn't mm-hmm. be able to clear people, and he wouldn't be able to jump, and this would never have happened. Yeah. yeah. So again, one of the perfect mirrors in writing, in hitting at home, but to see such a beloved character fall, do what he needs to do, mm. realize that that's his purpose, and explode on the ground yeah. and see bits mm-hmm. of him lying around. Oh, my God. Where's my gun? His gun's not there. And go straight into an action sequence straight after it. It's a beautifully realized piece of cinema mm-hmm. that you can watch just by itself without knowing before or after what happens or even who this person is. Yeah. It's just a beautifully realized, just an experience really. And I've got to prepare myself. I think I'm going to die now. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. Uh, and that think, line, yeah. I mean, that could have been on a million films that I've seen, mm-hmm. but it's never really hit home like it did on this one. Yeah. And it's Farrell's performance. He's absolutely gutted. Oh, he's heartbroken. Yeah. Because Ken was potentially his salvation. Yeah, He was, absolutely. And Ken's done this to save him. And there's just them close-ups of just Harry's here. He's absolutely flayed apart. Yeah. And all he wants to do is tell him he's Harry's here. Get out of there. He still wants to save him. The life that drains out of his face. Yeah. It's just close-up. Yeah. There's two things that stand out for me here. The first is, it tells you so much about Ken that he throws the coins over to get people out the way. Yeah. He doesn't have yeah, to do yeah. that. He doesn't want to hurt anybody. Yeah. He doesn't, doesn't, yeah. No, he doesn't. He doesn't have to do that as well. And the other thing is that we can tell by what he's gone to see in Bruges prior to this that he's probably Catholic, so he's probably quite religious. Mm-hmm. And in Catholicism, if you kill yourself, that's a mortal sin. Yeah. So he will know that. So he will know mm-hmm. in Catholicism, this is going to send him to hell. So it's like, is he doing that because he thinks that's why I deserve to go because I've killed people? So that's fine. Yeah. Or is he doing, point. hopefully, the fact that I'm doing this to save Ray, that will be my penance. That will get me out of it and, you know, send me mm-hmm. to maybe just purgatory, but not to hell. I think it's, it's a really yeah. interesting thing for this character to do. Or at least it's worth yeah, to save to, Ray. To save Ray, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the other thing I get from it as well is that it's, this isn't the full amount of money you need to get there. Mm. He's not paying his full penance. No. He's yeah. 10 cents short. Yeah, and what he has to do yeah, is save great. Ray to get his 10 cents back. Yeah. yeah. So he's, he's spilling what he has mm. and paying the rest with his life. Yeah. Yeah, great. So heartbreaking to see Ken go the way he does, but he's a complete piece with himself, rounding off an incredible performance from Gleason. Yeah. Unbelievable. In the final sequence, Harry clocks Ray, who makes a run for it. And we're picking up the scene in the hotel. I love this scene, this confrontation in the hotel for a lot of reasons. But part of it for me is how important Marie has become in the film because she is mm-hmm. the symbol of hope and I think forgiveness in particular. 
as we've said throughout the film, Ray kind of latches onto it because the fact he killed a kid, so he's going to do everything for this unborn kid is his kind of penance for what he's done. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of Fargo, like when we talked about that episode, we talked about Marge being pregnant and that. I think it was yeah. Westy made the point that at no point you ever feel they've only written it as a pregnant character to put her in peril, to add to, to the To make peril. it as part of the narrative. Just, yeah, yeah, just not vulnerable yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah, not vulnerable at all, because mm-hmm. I think that would be a really cheap ploy and like quite nasty do that. And it's the same here. It's just there just as this alternate good future if things had gone down a different path for Ray. You know, that yeah. could have been his future to someone like Marie. She's wonderful as well. Oh, she is fantastic. She's wonderful. She's yeah, great. Every uh, single thing she's called. I, I yeah, really yeah. love this performance. I think she's yeah, great. She just nails it. Yeah. Absolutely nails it. Because she just completely cuts through the bullshit of these two guys. Like, Ray's at the top of the stairs with his gun. Harry's at the bottom with his. And the way she just plonks herself in the middle of the stairs, mm-hmm. like, was such defiance. And for a yeah. very sweary film, she gets one of the best ones where she goes, yeah. this is my hotel, so you can fuck off. Yeah, it's great. It's brilliant. What she does, I think she brings in focus all these themes of honor and weird messed up principles because Harry at one point says to her, well, I'm not going to shoot you because I'm a nice person. And yeah, I I don't (laughs) believe for a second he he would shoot her. There's no way he would. Yeah, no way. No way he would. And he would never hold a hostage with the kid there or or any of that? No, 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 he wouldn't. Having said that, that doesn't make him nice. That just makes him normal. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think the base level of humanity should be, I wouldn't hurt a pregnant woman. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you need plaudits for that. <laughs> yeah. So it really brings that in focus. And you get that really, like, farcical level to this again of these guys are just dicks, like, underneath it all. Like, when Harry wants clarification of where the canal is, and he's like, well, you go right, it's a big fucking canal. And it's Harry's response where he goes, all right, Jesus, Ron, he just got here, haven't I? He's got here, haven't I? He's so touchy about it. But yeah. like, but yeah. you're trying to kill him, so I think he's entitled to be a bit annoyed at you. Yeah. So yeah, I love the scene. It just sums up a lot of the themes, but it's really funny at the same time, which, I mean, that's just Imbrugge in a nutshell, really, isn't it? It is, yes. With that whole sequence, it's just the way that it plays out between them. They've got the shootout rules. <laughs> And they're laying it down. But it's principle. Again, the whole yeah. film's about principle. It is, it yeah. Is, yeah. And what is principle and what do you stand by and what's the point of being alive and what are you doing to make a difference? I think that's what this whole film is trying to say. Yeah, Harry literally dies by his principles. It, absolutely. Bizarrely enough, this film like really reassures me about being a better person because I know what not to do. Mm-hmm. And it's really strangely done in that way by McDonough. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Is it, I don't want to come back and find you hiding in a fucking cupboard. Like it's, <laughs> that's, that's brilliant. So funny. I don't want that then. Come back and find your fucking cupboard. Because you know that he might do that. And that's what's funny yeah. to the audience. Because like, yeah, he actually might do that. But now he's got to stick to his principles. Now he's like, oh, shit, I yeah. can't do that then. Yeah. And I've got to swim across the canal and I'm going to get away. <laughs> Harry knows that he's not going to. And he jumps out and it's kind of like, the worst opening to any Bond film ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he opens the door and then there's a boat coming along, yeah. jumps, lands it. It's kind of raised penance as well. He sits up and he should hide, but he doesn't mm. feel he should hide. He feels he should die. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. He, he just exposed. sits up straight and goes, mm-hmm. no, it's too far away. If that hits me, then that's what's meant to happen. Yeah. yeah. But you actually feel that this character needs to do this. Yeah. He needs mm. that, that feeling of just feeling like it's not in my hands anymore. Mm. And it's just Harry's, glee on his face when he hits him yeah 
Still got it. <laughs> still got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can still yeah, do it. Yeah. yeah, that was miles away. That's good. I'll catch up with that. Great. That whole sequence where it should be this whole big action shootout, and it isn't. Mm. It, again, mm. it's really emotional. It's really down to earth. It really makes sense. And it really just like makes you stop and think and grounds you. I think it's just an incredible way to end the film. Yeah, and for the scene, Colin Farrell's stunt double was a guy called James Embry. And he said that in this scene, there originally wasn't going to be a boat for Ray to jump onto. He was just going to plummet into the water. But after seeing how shallow that water actually is, which is surprising because he think it would be deep, uh, McDonough yeah. introduced the idea of the passing board instead. And he said, actually, at the time, there were big crowds all around the place that gathered to watch this scene unfold. They're probably all exclaiming, the film on Irish fellas, and go running towards it. <laughs> yeah, Farrell did the interior shots and cut outside, which is where Embry makes his play. Hmm. Well, I'm going to round things off by talking about the, the notion of Bruges as purgatory being fully realised in these final moments. Yep. Much like the imagery in the Bosch paint and this movie set that Ray stumbles upon is his judgement. Mm-hmm. The costumes are the same or very similar to the painting. You've got Jimmy dressed as the schoolboy. That's Ray's reckoning. Yeah. It's uniquely complex, this film. In this moment, Harry shoots himself, as foretold by himself earlier, if he killed a child. Mm-hmm. He doesn't realize that Jimmy is a little person. And what's beautiful is that Ray, even after being pumped full of lead by Harry, still tries to dissuade him from killing himself. Yeah, he does. Yeah. 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 The beauty of human compassion in the face of ultimate adversity. And in the end... Bruges is not only Ken and Ray's last judgment, it's Harry's last judgment as well. Whoever thinks this is a beautiful city wants to have a word with themselves. It's a trained killer. (laughs) (laughs) Got to stick to your principles. Yeah. So McDonough said, I'm interested in the strange skewed attitudes of violent men. Mm. You don't cause the death of an innocent. You can't overcome it if you do. That was Harry's code. The film's characters are immoral and that's a line you don't cross. Mm. Yeah, they've got a code of ethics, haven't they? they, they yeah, everything's they a principle. Yeah, everything's mm. a code. Everything's a principle. Yeah. And finally, what I think is is quite beautiful is the final voiceover from Maria. The dialogue right at the end is, "I really hoped I wouldn't die. I really hoped I wouldn't die." Mm. Yeah, Ray is capable of change, yeah. and Ken hasn't died in vain. It's a very subtle arc for Ray, but it's a seismic revelation which is just whispered, very much in keeping with the way McDonough is balanced everything throughout the film yeah it's so complex it's incredible yeah yeah Yeah. it's wonderful so extreme bloodshed in the chaotic final reel of in bruges combined with heartbreak and beauty all the hallmarks of a modern comedy classic absolutely reception and awards in bruges premiered at the sundance film festival and sneaked out on limited release a month later in the u.s Despite a star in the lead, it returned a very conservative $34.5 million from a $15 million budget. In contrast to its lukewarm box office receipts, it was overwhelmingly praised by critics. Mm. Mm. Rolling Stone said, In Bruges is about wounds inflicted on the human heart. The actors are spectacular, and McDonough's gift for language makes this film uniquely tasty. Oh, nice. Yes. Mm. A particularly positive review from the Minneapolis Star Tribune exclaimed, if you could hoist a film on your shoulders and parade it through the theatre for adulation and hoorays, In Bruges would be the one. Oh, wonderful. That's oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. <isn't it? laughs> That's what you want to hear. Like, if you're McDonough and you've used the language you've used in this film to hear people yeah. say that, that must be Perfect. amazing. And the big man, Roger Ebert, what did he give it out of four fellas? Three. I'll go four. I reckon he loved it. Oh, Matt, on the money. Four out of four. 
He said, this film debut by Martin McDonough is an endlessly surprising, very dark human comedy with a plot that cannot be foreseen, but only relished. Yes, nailed it. Mm-hmm. Nailed it for once. <laughs> yeah, for once. Well done, Watch More like that, please. And now, 15 years later, In Bruges has 85% on Rotten Tomatoes and an IMDb score of 7.9 out of 10. Pretty good going. Not surprised at all. Not at all. And with that kind of positive language being bandied about, it's unsurprising that it got recognised at awards season. It was nominated in four categories at the BAFTAs, with McDonough picking up the Best Screenplay Award. Brilliant. Nice. Three noms at the Golden Globes, with Colin Farrell picking up Best Actor. Yeah. Great. Yep. And it was nominated at the Oscars for Best Screenplay. Alas, it didn't win. It lost to Milk. Unsurprising. Yeah, okay. Mm. Considering the Academy. Come on, Matt. Yeah, the language is going to put a yeah. fair few of the older voters mm-hmm. off, I would have thought. Mm-hmm. Further awards, Glory would follow McDonough's later films. The critical responses remained the same, and the grown cult status of In Bruges brought an ardent fan base to McDonough's work. Yeah. Pretty good going for your feature debut. Absolutely. Yeah. All the right movies ranking. And now for our last judgment, the much-loved ATRM ranking. Mm. Matt, would you like to summarise and rate In Bruges out of 10, please? Yes, I'd love to, because the benefit of this film being a very snappy 100 minutes or so, like, I really feel we've covered everything. We've not missed mm-hmm. anything out. No. So in a lot of ways, I'm just going to repeat myself. I think the fact that this is a debut is extraordinary. Those three main performances are pitch-perfect. And what really stands out is I think people think of In Bruges and the thing of the big laughs and the thing of the swearing and the thing of the language, which is totally understandable. But that's just the surface stuff. And mm-hmm. what keeps bringing me back is how clever it is underneath all of that. Yes. There's this real melancholy. There's this real tragic undercurrent to everything. And it's a really interesting exploration of morality and ethics and Very what does much. it mean to have a code that you profess to live by and can you live by it in the most extreme of circumstances, which is what this film is for these characters. Great. And the last thing I want to say is that whenever we do an episode, I'm always slightly wary of how many times I'll watch the film beforehand because if I watch it too many times, I'll get a little bit bored of it. And I think, mm-hmm. oh, I don't want to talk about it now. I've watched it too many times. I've not okay. thought about anything else. But this, I've watched it four times in the last couple of weeks and I'd happily watch it again tonight. You know, I yeah. don't think I'll ever tire of this. It is a wonderful alternative Christmas watch. It's one that has catapulted its way right up into my list of personal favourites. I simply can't give it anything other than the full whack, a big old 10. Woo, a Christmas 10. Christmas Very 10. nice, Matt. Mm-hmm. What about you, Westy? You're a big Christmas guy. <laughs> Massive fan <laughs> of Christmas. I love all that shit. Um, <laughs> It's one of them films I'll always come back to, one of them films I'll always recommend, one of them films that constantly surprises us is how well written it was, how well directed it is, how well acted it is, how much it's given everyone in the cast their room to shine. Farrell wouldn't be where he is now if it wasn't for this. Mm, Agreed. And McDonough's career has just gone from shining light to shining light. I've got no ears and graces about what I'm going to say, and it's a 10. Oh, fantastic. Perfect scores so far. Mm. For me, this is an almost perfect film. Mm. I'm on board with the comedy, the nuanced characters, the dialogue and acting are are first rate, naturally. I'm so pleased that there is someone working in the industry like Martin McDonough, a real breath of fresh air, making idiosyncratic films full of heart and humour and nuance. We've talked at length about the film, how much we love it. It's technically perfect. Yeah, but... 
I wasn't going oh. to give it full marks because I measured it up against the other McDonough films that I love. And for uh-huh. me, this, I think I prefer Banshees. Just that shade. Just that shade. Oh. Man, he's his first uh-huh. goal. However, I haven't been able to get it out of my head oh. since I've, I've written oh. this summary. Nice. And I've watched it again since. It's following me around. It's haunting me. Good. It's an amazing film. So it is 10 out of 10. Yes. yes. Unbelievable. Yes, absolutely well, well, there true. There is a fourth score. There is. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> that comes from our ever-grown followers on X, formerly Twitter. Mm-hmm. We often get a lively response, and in Bruges was no exception. <laughs> yeah, Before imagine. I reveal the score, I've picked out some of the best comments. Okay. Well, the ones that I want to read out. <laughs> not necessarily best. Okay. And here they are. From Robert at Robert Minucci. He said, great actors, great story, great piece. Ralph F. turns it up to 11. Yes, he does. Yep, true. Brilliant. Next. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next is Mark Pearson at The Chef Insider. He said, nine. No. Mm. Would be higher, but for the anti-Spurs joke, that gets a point deducted. <laughs> oh, right. I'm feeling your pain, Mark. I'm right there with you. <laughs> Don't know what that means. Move on. Yeah. <laughs> Luke, if you actually deducted a mark from your score for that, I'd have been furious. <laughs> I wouldn't do another episode, no. if I'm honest. No. <laughs> it's going overboard, mate. <laughs> Deduct a point for Spurs. And on the negative side of things, Wine Ass at Tutter Willis said, shit and overrated. Doesn't matter. Leave it. <laughs> but rounding things off very smartly is RFA at underscore Royal FA underscore. Mm. And they said, I mean, no disrespect. But In Bruges is a cult movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a cult now, and it's always been a cult. And the only thing that's going to change it is that it's going to become an even bigger cult. Yeah. Very smart. Very nice. Very I love good. it. Very, very good. Of that. I know. Good. I'm so annoyed yeah. myself. So out of 10, what do you think In Bruges averaged out of 10 on oh. X? I hope it would be full marks, but I'm feeling it's yeah. going to be like an 8 or 9, maybe an 8.5. Okay. I'll Matt? go 9.5, maybe just missed Ooh. out. Split the difference, ah. it ended up with a solid 9, nine out of 10. Okay. Fair enough, fish. I think so. Doing well for itself. It, I, I wouldn't say it's got mass, mass appeal, so I can understand the detractors. Considering what it's about and how small yeah. it is, yes, fair enough, a 9. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is fair enough. A lot of people are just, you know, don't really appreciate really good films. They don't understand. <laughs> they don't understand. <laughs> they don't get it, do they? No. It's not about you. No. Which means that overall, In Bruges scored 39 out of 40. Hell of a score. Yeah. That is impressive, to be fair. Messing with That's the big boys. That's really impressive, yeah. It's worth it, though. Yeah. It's totally worth it. Of course it is. You can see where In Bruges fares alongside all the other films that we've talked about on our classic podcast. Go to alltherightmovies.com forward slash leaderboard. Join us next time in All The Right Movies. You'll be hearing the music and the voices of John, Westy, and Matt as they go behind enemy lines on Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards. All right. Looking forward to that one, fellas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got a glass of milk right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, don't forget the cream. <laughs> Wait for the cream. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. In Bruges, Inglorious. Oh, Hello. lovely. Very nice. There in it is. In Germany. Inconsistent history. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. For our director's chair, Patreon supporters, we have a seasonal gift for you coming up. Mm. We'll be talking about not two, but three films on our exclusive double feature podcast. Mm. Treble feature, if you will. Yeah. 
the three of us here will be talking about The Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, and Misery. What yeah. A smorgasbord of genres whipped up by chef Rob Reiner. Yep. And if you like the sound of that, sign up to our director's chair tier and you can listen to that next week. Yeah, you can. Yeah, absolutely. But you don't, have to. To. you don't fucking you don't have, have to. to. It's only you Jesus. Of course you don't fucking have to. You don't fucking have to. Who can it? Lovely. Just like we've done it. I love, I love that we, we're trying to encourage people to sign up, but then right at the end of every time we try and encourage them, we tell them, you don't fucking have no, to. You don't have to. <laughs> you don't want to. Well, the truth of it is they don't have to. Well, that's it. Online. Do, do, do it if you want a better life. Yeah. As mentioned at the top, patrons get access to all those podcasts mentioned and more. Have a see in what films that we cover and the score they get. You're missing out on hundreds of hours of fun if you're not an ATR and patron, and that is patreon.com forward slash all the right movies. Yes. Yes, please check that out, guys. Hugely appreciate it. Yes, please. And to reiterate, you can buy our podcast individually on our website, alltherightmovies.com, and you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts for the Classic Podcast Archive. We're everywhere. Yes, you can. Yes, we are. It's much less than five euros, Henry. (laughs) Not really, though. (laughs) And please keep up to date with us on social media, on X slash Twitter. We are at ATRightMovies. We post all day, every day, and have fascinating behind-the-scenes clips, photos, interviews. We often post extensive movie-making threads on there. And like our podcast, all of the thread info comes directly from the cast and crew or is corroborated by at least three sources. Yes. So keep checking back regularly for more. All legit, all fantastic. Yes. Yes. We work really hard so you get the best info. Yes. So please check it out. There you go. On Instagram and threads, we are at all the underscore right movies. On TikTok, search at all the right movies. Join our Facebook group. Great guys. Great movie discussions. Yes, always. Every day. We are on YouTube as well. Our videos are wonderful and include the four strong ATRM team. Mm -hmm. They go up all the time, so check them out if you haven't already. Mm -hmm. Also, it massively helps us out if you could subscribe to our channel and like our vids. YouTube.com forward slash all the right movies. Yes. Everything positive helps, guys. Yes, yes, it does. Very much. Anything you can do is massively, massively appreciated by all of us. Thank you for listening. Thank you yep. for everything. It's Thank you really, for the really is appreciated. Thank you for the comments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some. I mean, some of the questions are even better than what we're coming up with. I know. So it's, yeah, it's a real, yeah, it's, it's a real it's, treat. It's a real treat yeah. for people to get involved and hear everyone's side on things. It, it really is great. Thank you. It is. And if you love what we do on the podcast, and why wouldn't you? Please give us sixty seconds of your time and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. What would you say, fellas? Five stars should just about do it. I would imagine I so. I think so. Yes. Why? Yeah, have don't bother effort? if it's less. What, what's the effort worth if it's not? Effortless. Five stars. Click. Done. Beautiful. And our website, the ATRM Hope is all the right movies.com. Lots to enjoy over the festive period. And that is a wrap on In Bruges. Thank you, everybody, for listening to us over 2023 and before. Yes, and coming up in 2024. Yeah. We'll have loads more coming for you. Absolutely well. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. It makes everything really, really worthwhile. And yeah, we love we, doing this. We just yeah. really love doing this. So thank you we for do. listening. Thank you for being here. We really appreciate it. Yeah, we do. Thank you very much. And we're now off to hide out over the Christmas period. Yeah. Hopefully a place where it isn't all just fucking chocolates. No, nah. <laughs> alcoves. Nukes and crannies. Yeah. Compliments of the season. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in 2024. Yes. Thank you, you guys. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. Happy New Year.
inanimate fucking object. You're an inanimate fucking object! <laughs>